Hey Who fans and welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And we're at episode 124. 124. One day, I shall come back. Oh dear, we are in trouble, aren't we? I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. I have the advantage of being slightly ahead of you. Sometimes behind you, but normally ahead of you. The trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems not a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. A meteor storm that the sky above us was dancing with lights. Purple, green, brilliant yellow, yes! I'm the doctor, by the way. What's your name? Rose. Nice to meet you, Rose. Run for your life. It's more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. Just remember who's standing in your way. Look at the eyebrows. These are attack eyebrows. You can take bottle tops off with these. Howdy do, Who fans. And welcome to 124. Hope you've had a cracking week and that you've managed to do something Doctor Who related in this very quiet January. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Well, quiet in terms of Doctor Who stuff, but uh, mm. you and I have been really busy for some reason. <laughs> yeah. We? we were saying before we started recording, it's like, have you stopped yet since the new year? It's just been mental. I was just saying about yeah. work, wasn't I? I was like, I thought January was supposed to be quiet and work's been, been quite busy. Mm. Mm. I did have a very interesting chat about Doctor Who at work, actually. So did I. Um, go on, you go was first. Was it yesterday or the day before? Oh, you yep. did as well? Yeah. Um, because they were asking what I do in my spare time. They are like, why do you always have to have Wednesdays off and all this? I was like, well, that's my day when I do my Doctor Who stuff. And they're like, Doctor Who? It's like <laughs> these two chef guys. And yeah, it was quite... There was a lot of cliched things coming out that I hear people... You know, the sort of thing you hear that people say and people are actually saying them in real life. So, for example, they were like, oh, is that still on, is it? You know, oh, I haven't watched Doctor Who in years and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and the girl, I've just started working with a very nice girl. She, she she come out with the classic. She's like, who's the Doctor now? Is it that really old guy? And I was just <laughs> like, yeah. I, you know, when you sort of, you, you start off by trying to defend the show, but then after a couple of minutes, you just realize that you really haven't got the energy. <laughs> So they were like firing oh, all these yeah. questions at me, and I was just like, "No." Oh. Um, so yeah, it was it was quite it was quite interesting to hear that because they they clearly one of the chefs was like, "Oh, I, I I liked it when you know David Tennant was in it," and I was like, "Oh God, these, these are all <laughs> things that I read on Twitter, and, and now you're a real person actually saying it." Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it was quite quite an interesting chat, but I didn't I didn't convert convert them over. They weren't they weren't ready to to come back and watch um, Unearthly Child with me. <laughs> they weren't having none of it. No, because no. I was like, they're like, what are you doing today? When you finish today then? And, I, and they were like, oh, you're building a Dalek. And I was, I was like, no, I'm actually going back to watch the very first episode ever because we're reviewing it this week. And they were like, oh, right. Yeah, you know, it was just, yeah, it was, it was quite a, a funny, mm-hmm. interesting conversation, but I didn't get very far with it. No. Well, how come you were chatting about who at work? Well, somebody, somebody asked me... Um, what what I thought of the Christmas special. Ah, right, okay. And I uh, gave them my thoughts, and they thought it was actually very good. Yeah. They thought it was very good, and uh, somebody then asked me, um, how comes he hasn't got a, a, a proper companion, because he's just knocking about with this bald guy at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then someone else said, oh, he's, uh, he, he's a regular now. I'm sure that's Matt Lucas. And I went through a bit of backstory about when he was in the last Christmas special, and... Mm. 
you know, we don't really know why he's back yet because he got, he was decapitated before, but now he's back and, and all that stuff. And then they said, well, it doesn't really happen to companions, does it? And I said, well, <laughs> you know, companions don't really have the best luck sometimes with uh, traveling with the doctor. So we've had a proper, mm. we've had a companion properly killed off before. And they were like, oh, no way. I was like, yeah, back in the yeah. Davison era. And so I started going through all this stuff. And then this was during our morning. So every morning we have a, what's what's called a stand up and we go through the tasks for the day and all this stuff. And one of our manager was late and someone went, Oh, you've missed a seminar. You've missed a doctor who mm -hmm. uh, seminar from Gary. And he was, he just didn't look that in, you know, that bothered at all about <laughs> missing that. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I also had a, a conversation with, um, with work colleagues regarding who, but they was just sort of, you know, smile nicely. And, you know, I'm sure they appreciate my excitement when I get talking about it, but yeah. Oh, more than mine then my two just were, were they were uh in a very well i got on very well with the guys at work it was all very much done in jest but uh yeah i think it's fair to say they were sort of <laughs> ripping it out of me for a bit um but no it, the reason i found it interesting is because um it did it's, it's very much in contrast to when i can remember speaking about doctor who when i was working somewhere else many right. years ago when it was at the height of its popularity. So um, David Tennant was the doctor. I can remember there was a Woolworths up the road. I used to go there. I used to pop in every day just to see if they'd got any new Doctor Who figure, figures. And quite often they had. So it was quite an exciting time. You know, it's like, oh, you know, they've got a you know, um, clockwork soldier out. Oh, we didn't have that last week and all that. So it's quite exciting. But I do remember the conversations back then were very different because they didn't like Doctor Who either. The two guys I worked with there but they knew that I loved it, but they couldn't really say anything bad about it because it was quite, it was cool for the, for the first time in years. It was like, Oh yeah, it's really popular now, isn't it? Oh, the sets don't <laughs> wobble anymore, do they? Oh, Daleks can fly now, can't they? Oh, so they couldn't really, they had, they, they had no comeback. Right, Whereas right. Uh, the conversation I was having uh, yesterday or whatever was, was very much like, <laughs> um, going back to when I was at school, it was just like, yeah, it's rubbish now though, isn't it? It's like, no, it's not rubbish actually. It's like, yeah, but you know, it's, it's no one watches it anymore, do they? Like, well, they do. And it was just like, oh, it's not, it's, everything's changed. It's like, I can't, it's not, you know, I haven't got the ammo anymore. You know, yeah. so it was a bit, a bit depressing really. Yeah. It's a shame. I think, I think it's kind of leaked into the public consciousness. The, it has, the, you know, the, the, the downward spiral of the, you know, the, the popularity of the show in general because mm. and it is a real shame because I, I remember when i when i wasn't watching doctor who regularly the, when you say like the height of it was when tenant mm. was the doctor i think and i remember just being very aware of it yeah everywhere i mean there was i, I think when what well, i can't remember what story it was or what dvd but on the special features you know on one of the tenant series i think it was series two or three where as part of the special features, he kept like a video diary and he got invited to turn on the Christmas light somewhere. I think it was down in Brighton. Oh, I can't remember some town anyway. Mm. And the whole town was just plastered everywhere with posters of Dr. Who and it had tenant yeah. on it and Billy Piper and Freema and every, you know, it was, and everybody knew who they were. Yeah, you know that's yeah, even yeah. if even if they didn't watch the program, it's like that's the Doctor, and I know that she's the companion. That must be the newer companion, and it was just very, very much there. A bit like Star Wars, you know. It's just very yep. even if you're not a sci-fi fan or if you hadn't seen the the films, you know who Darth Vader was, you knew who Luke Sky, you know, you just know. Yeah. If you 
I, I honestly don't think that's the case anymore. I don't think people know who, um, I mean, I think I can confidently say they know that Capaldi is the doctor. That's quite obvious. Mm. But I think if you said, you know, who's this person? Say if you showed them a picture of Danny. Danny Pink? Yeah, they'd be like, oh, I have no idea. Well, who's they that? They say, well, he's, he's the guy who does the Ginster Pies, isn't Ginsta. he? <laughs> Was he the guy on the, he, well, he did actually do adverts for him, didn't he? he on did. the side of yeah. Um, so, yeah, I know. Yeah, that's very true, actually. They might, would they know Clara? Well, Possibly. I think. They'd be like, oh, there's Victoria. Yeah. <laughs> it's Queen I, Victoria. Yeah, and I yeah. think so. And I mean, they probably, well, would they know River Song? Maybe. Mm. I, don't, it, I don't know. It's interesting, though, because the, the girl I've just started working with, she said, um, oh, I liked um, David Tennant. I was like, yeah. yeah. She's like, but I didn't like Matt Smith. Um, but the thing I liked about that was she did know his name. <laughs> I was just because I was like, oh, so you didn't like Matt Smith? She said, no, I didn't like him. That's when I stopped watching. He was too silly. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, but he was really good. Uh, that's when I started getting on the soapbox yeah. trying yeah. to defend. I was like, no, Matt was really good. It was just his stories that were rubbish. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but I like the fact she you know, like she said she knew the name. But when it got to Capaldi, yeah, she was the one that said, Oh, is he the is he the old guy? That's just that seems to be how a lot of people know him. Oh, is that the old one? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's a shame actually. It almost feels like we've kind of regressed into what Doctor Who was like back in the classic era. Because back then with the exception of Peter Davison, mm. I don't think any of the doctors were cast for their, um, for, you know, to appeal to the ladies, put it that way. Yeah, yeah. And I think when Tennant took the role, I think a lot of that popularity had to do with his good looks and, you know, all that, which is mm. just natural, you know, it's, um, it's just the way it is, I guess. But I, th- I feel like now we've, because we 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 badgered the moth and the BBC for so long that we wanted an older doctor again because mm-hmm. the last couple had been very young and you know then and they were like okay there you go <laughs> and now it's kind of we've regressed back into what classic who was like yeah it does i mean that is the thing i think that's why i found the conversation interesting because obviously i've i've been here once before back mm-hmm. in the late 80s you know i i've been there before and i've experienced all this and that's why it was so great to have, have then been in, you know, once we got into 2005 to be like, hey, I'm a Doctor Who fan shouting it from the roof. And now I feel like I'm going down the stairs of that building <laughs> to the middle floor and being like, oh, I'm a Doctor Who fan, yeah. you know. Yeah. So but I want to be climbing back up and shouting it from the roof again. Um, I think it can happen. I mean, it's a it's a natural thing, I guess, for something that's how long has it been back now? Over 10 years, isn't it? So yes. yep. it's, you know, there's bound to be blips as bound to be ups and downs oh, as yeah. long as we yeah. go back up well um we'll be okay and i mean i think mm, i was gonna say you know that there's there's a hardcore fan base there i think there always will be um but as long as the quality is still there yes i don't yeah. think we have anything to worry about i mean yeah the stories have definitely taken a dip in writing quality but you know there's nothing to stop that turning around absolutely yeah you know um, and it's it is good that people watch the Christmas special, like you said. Your friend you were talking to, I'm assuming he hasn't watched it for a while, so yeah, yeah. it's good that he's, you know, that seen that and thought, well, actually, I quite enjoyed that. Maybe I'll watch it when it comes back. You know, mm. yes, but it's definitely yeah, it's definitely. Um, I mean, you and I could probably do an entire podcast about all this stuff, but I would. Mm. I've got a gut feeling that the next Doctor after Capaldi, uh, whether it be male or female, will be another younger. Will be a younger doctor. 
Oh, almost certainly. I've got to go. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Because they they probably know that stuff. You know, they probably know that if they get a nice looking, you know, young guy back in, that's going to draw, you know, a certain number of certain fans back to the show. Should I say? Yeah. Like it would. Like it was back in the tenant years. I don't know. Yeah, it's. I mean, the thing is, it's it's only part of it because I think people just assume because Peter Crowd is old that he can't be. You know, you can still cast a very dashing older gent as long yeah. as he's written yeah. well and as long as he gets stuck in and does. You can still make somebody a really good character that people can relate to. I think you know a lot of people will write Capaldi off just because he's old, but then if you know when they watch it, he's actually. He's still quite sprightly. Do you know what I mean? He's not. It's not as if he's hobbling around on a stick for most of the episode, and they they haven't got like a, you know, a young companion doing all the work for him or anything. So, mm. you know, um, it's all down to how they're written. And, and absolutely, yeah. yeah. And fair play to the Beeb for casting Capaldi at his age. I mean, mm. we're not. He's not mega old, but he is an older uh, gentleman compared to the very young Matt Smith and yeah, and David Tennant. But fair play because if you think about the James Bond character, you know. It used to be a sort of a more, uh, again, not necessarily very old actors played the part, but certainly older gentlemen mm. were Bond. And now we're into like the the modern world, if you like, since the past 10 years, yeah. it's been a younger guy. But yeah, they've kind of bucked that trend and gone. And that's a, that, that's a good thing that they should hold on to with Doctor. And when I said it's my gut feeling that they'll take on a younger actor to play the Doctor, that doesn't mean that I necessarily think they should. I think that it, it's that's the great thing about the Doctor. It's um, it can be anybody, old, yeah, young. You yeah, know, yeah. that's the great thing about that character. Mm. But as long as they cast somebody that's right for the role, not just because he's young, yeah, then yeah. it will be good. It'll all be good, I reckon. No, no, that's that's yeah. a good point actually. And one other thing, just just to sort of really wrap this up, is if you think about it, <clears throat> a lot of the people that were watching Doctor Who when Tennant was the Doctor um, would have been a certain age, and we all you know as we get older um fall in and out of love with mm -hmm. things especially tv programs i mean you know um i don't know what age it would have been but i can remember having a whole wall dedicated to doctor who and then getting to sort of around about 21 maybe i can't remember now but thinking oh i'm a bit old to have daleks on the shelf i'm a bit old to have mm -hmm. you know a doctor who poster on the wall so i can remember taking all that down you know and still watching it but it not being a very central part of my life like it has become again so mm -hmm. you've got to remember that, that there's a lot of that key audience that would have got to that sort of teenagery stage and and you know and, and have moved on from the show yeah and they'll probably a bit like uh, some of them will come back to it because you once you've you know done all your adulty stuff all your <laughs> teenagey stuff you, you know you start to go back to being nostalgic and checking out things you used to love and oh i used to love the daleks you know so that core audience some of that will come back round as well so again it's just a natural thing of time you know isn't it it's yeah. just things change and, and move on yeah change so, my dear change my dear yeah, yeah. that's it so yeah that's so, so it's interesting we both had chats at work though it's yeah. good that people are talking about it that's at least yeah, yes yeah yeah because yeah. yeah i'd hate to um to think that people had no clue at all what was mm. going on you know at least people are talking like you say at least talking about it and even yeah. if they're not watching it regularly at least they've watched an episode yeah exactly so, yeah. yeah yeah uh right <laughs> now that we've thrown our two cents in there yeah and we've put the world to the right where it concerns what should and shouldn't happen with who and so on shall we land it and and do some 
chat on ratings and so on? Yeah. Let's talk about class first. Yeah. Okie dokie. So, class has now been broadcast on domestic TV. On a real actual television box. Yes, a really old CRT one. (laughs) Tuning in. (laughs) With the rounded corners, yeah. Anyway, it went out on BBC One. Um, And it went out on the, what did you call it, the grey... The um, The graveyard shift. The graveyard (laughs) shift, yeah. So it went out quite late, didn't it? And although the content in class is relatively adult in a couple of places, uh, I'm not sure it warrants the the quarter to 11 slot. No. I mean, mean, we had Silent Witness on the other night, and that was pretty gross in places, and that goes out at 9 o'clock. I mean, they were, you know, well, I won't say what they were doing, but it was gross to do with gore and stuff um so yeah quarter to 11 does feel quite late i mean maybe they didn't have a choice too much but it does seem Mm. quite late for yeah i mean maybe it's not too late maybe i don't know it it, maybe it just seems like a nine o'clock thing to me yeah i would i would have said nine i don't i mean there are there are a few bits in it that are a bit oh but it's I would have said nine would have been all right, considering what goes out at nine o'clock these days. The, the only thing is, you're right, there might not have been much choice left in the schedule. But then again, we've been class has been out there since you know, when did they first announce it? They've had all this time to plan it. Yes. It does feel to me like because it didn't do very well on the iPlayer. Um, I don't know if that's had any effect on it, but it does feel to me that they've just thought, oh, we'll just shove that there then. You know, they've already written it off, I feel like, by putting it at that time slot, you know. Because mm. they showed the first two, didn't they? So the first episode one went out at quarter to 11, and then they followed it straight after with episode two would have been at, what, 12. an hour later? So 20 to 12. 20 to midnight, hour and yeah. a half later, yeah. Yeah. And it hasn't done it many... Fa- I mean, it didn't really do fantastically on iPlayer, did it? No, it didn't, no. When we spoke about it uh, before Christmas. And so episode one. Uh, just under a million viewers. And the BBC have got, uh, for that particular time slot, they have an average, which they would expect. And mm. the average is 1.6 odd right. for that right, time yeah. slot in the evening. So it's it's a bit behind. And well, they, uh, they, they have tried to kind of uh, sweeten it a little bit, though, by saying that it did get more than BBC's BBC Two's Newsnight, which got 6.65 million viewers. And it also got more than ITV's Through the Keyhole, which got 0.75. <laughs> now, for me, I don't know about anyone else, but I would expect it to be a boring old program like Through the Keyhole. I don't know if anyone knows of Through the Keyhole. It was very popular back in sort of the late 80s. Yeah. <laughs> where it was essentially a celebrity turns up and they show various segments of that celebrity's house and then the panel have to guess who the house belongs to. So they don't know who the celebrity is at the beginning. And the, it's a very bad program, let me be yeah. honest with you. So I would, I'm 
quite glad that it beat through the keyhole. <laughs> um, but yes, and then the, the episode after that only got zero point four million views. But that would that was a, like, that would have been way past midnight on a Monday night. I mean, you, mm-hmm. not being funny, but you're not. If you haven't already seen this show, are you really going to sit up and uh, until midnight to watch it? You know, I think they they you know they very much aimed this at the online audience, and I think this is almost a token sort of here it is on the real screen for anyone that might want to watch it. You know, it, it does yeah. feel like they've kind of lost heart with it already. Yeah. Um, and uh, which you know I wasn't a fan of it. I didn't think it was a particularly good program anyway. But you know, it is still sad to see them just discard it like this you know i would have liked to see it got a, a proper chance because there were people that enjoyed it so um, that's not to say some people haven't even heard of class you know we we know it's out there but there are people out there that that might have just jumped on board um mm-hmm. had they been flicking through and seen this on at nine o'clock they might have thought oh what's going on here yeah you know oh the doctor's on the tv what's this um <laughs> yep. you know on episode one so yeah to put it at this for want of a better word graveyard slot <laughs> does very much feel like the bbc have just said oh We'll forget about that. And it, the low figures for the online and the TV show does make it even less unlikely for a second series, I think. Although they obviously plan to do one. I yeah. just don't know. I reckon it will get a second series and that'll be I it. I think it will. Yeah. I think it will get one more and that'll be it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they have said that for both these episodes that went out, it did beat the programs that are on the four main channels. And when we talk about mm. the four main channels, that's um, BBC One, BBC Two, uh, ITV and Channel Four. Yeah. And I think they, do they include Channel Five? These They must do. Um, <laughs> Probably. But yeah, so it did beat the other channel, the other programs in terms of, of views. However, that's not, that's not very difficult because it's just the news through the keyhole and whatever, whatever, Tosh is on Channel 5. Yeah, or whatever. Which is, so, well, it's always Tosh on Channel 5, isn't it? Yeah, so it's yeah, not like yeah. it's going up against Coronation Street, EastEnders and, you know, something yeah. else, you know, Strictly or anything like that. So you would expect it to at least, you know, do well when you're up against, you know, Those. some that, that calibre of show. So yeah. it's not good news for, for class. And, yeah, like it is a shame. I feel I I do. Although I didn't like the show, I do feel sorry for the guys involved because Patrick Ness, you know, he's really like put his heart into this. Mm-hmm. As I said, yeah, I didn't think it was written particularly well, but he's put his heart into it. the cast. They, you know, they really did try. They, everybody involved has tried. You can't knock that. I mean, even though I didn't think it was very good, they have tried to make a good show. Mm-hmm. You can feel there is a lot of passion in it, is what I'm trying to say. So I do feel sorry for them in that respect. Um, and so part of me thinks, oh, maybe it should get a second chance. But I am surprised by the low figures online. I've got to be honest. I thought, I did think it would fare decently online. I thought, oh, well, people are going to tune in because it's connected to two, whether it's good or bad. So I am surprised it sort of died a death on iPlayer, I have to admit, maybe that's down to publicity. I, as I said, I still think there's a lot of people out there don't even know it exists. Absolutely, yeah. You know, I, so I didn't they even need know it to get on. it out there. Well, they yeah. tried to create their own fan base, didn't they? Which kind of actually backfired because it it seemed to more turn people against it more than anything because people were like, well, that's so clearly engineered. You know, it, it kind of backfired on them a little bit, I think. So, yeah, not yeah. good news. No, I didn't, we'll see. I didn't even know that class was on. No. BBC One until this morning where 
um, we're looking through stuff to talk about. I didn't even realize it had been on. So, mm. you know, it does. But then again, as is the world of Doctor Who, there's not really much money to do plenty on, you know. Mm. It so. just needs a bit more publicity, I think. Yeah. If they're going to make it succeed. If they do do a second series, they need to get some some publicity out there. Yeah. Um, just going on to other ratings, though. In, well, I would say better news. It's still it's not an amazing <laughs> figure but it's a decent figure it's, it's the christmas special uh, return of dr mysterio got got an official rating of 7.83 million that's like the final figure so um it came ninth i think on the day uh out of programs which is it's not bad really for a show that's been off air for a year and doesn't like we were saying earlier is kind of not really musty television anymore is it really i mean it is for us fans but it's not like it's not the big Christmas Day program that it that it was, so it's still quite decent, I think, to come in ninth watch program. Yes, I mean for the week it beats EastEnders. Good. It didn't beat Corrie. No. It didn't beat the Great Christmas Bake Off, which was understandable. Well, that's no surprise. Yeah. Yeah, and a couple other things, but obviously it didn't beat Strictly. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it beat EastEnders and Emmerdale and, uh, yeah. All that lot. All it's that slightly lot. slightly higher figure than last year. So Husbands of Riversong got 7.69 million last year. So it's ever so slightly higher. Um, we, were, we were just, there's a graph on Doctor Who News site. We were looking at this just before we started recording. Um, and you can see the difference between, I think the last time we got over 10 million was the last Matt Smith special. What was that called? Time of the Doctor. Yes, 11.14. Yes. Yeah, views. that's the last yeah. time we were over 10 million. And then it dropped to 8.28 million uh, with the Nick Frost one last Christmas. Last Christmas, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> they're so good, I can't even remember the name. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's quite a big drop. So from 2013 to 2014, we've had a massive drop in viewing, you know, viewing statistics. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, the last two have just got over seven million so but still it's good at least it's in the top 10 um and like we said earlier people seem to have tuned in and watched for a while so yeah hopefully be nice to see us going back on the up yes hopefully and and when you and i spoke about this earlier looking at this graph we were quite surprised by a couple of them weren't we because yes the 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 highest rated ever christmas special since 2005 is voyage of the damned which got yeah. 13.3 something million uh, viewers. And mm. you and I were sort of talking about, well, that's quite understandable because Kylie's in it, you know, so it's yeah. sort of eye candy for the lads and Tennant's in it in his tuxedo and that's eye candy for the ladies. And, you know, all in all, it's, um, yeah, like you said, the story's okay up to a point. But, yeah, I think more for the sort of the eye candy aspect of it, it raked in a load of. Uh, yeah, I seem to years. remember liking it. It's a while since I watched it, but yeah, I seem to remember it was a fairly decent Christmas special. Yeah, yeah. And we were saying that the first two Christmas specials, so um, the Sycorax story, what's that? Um, Tenant's first Christmas invasion, the Christmas invasion, Christmas invasion. That's yeah. It, yeah, and then the Runaway Bride. Uh, yeah. They actually did. I mean, they did better than the recent few years of Christmas specials. But there's a huge jump up to Voyage of the Damned mm. after that, and we were thinking, well. There was no iPlayer statistics there to to boost it up a bit. That's true. And yeah. also, we were saying that the the whole Catherine Tate coming onto the show thing kind of stumped fans for a bit before, didn't they? They were 
yeah. I, even though I wasn't watching Doctor Who um, regularly back then, I do remember the whole uproar of fans complaining that she was going to be in the show and she was going to ruin it and she wasn't the suitable actress to be in it and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, how 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 she proved the, proved them all wrong, <laughs> proved us all wrong, including me. Yeah, yeah. And one thing, the the most surprising one out of all of it for me though is the two thousand and nine. The David Tennant's last uh, story. Mm. Is it the end of time? Yeah, parts one and two. Part one yeah. and two. I would have thought that one would have got a massive that because that's Tennant's very last one, mm. and uh, he was such a popular Doctor, and it would have been really intriguing to see how he went because that would have been you know the the, the, the whole big regeneration scene as well. That would have been the yeah. new Doctor and everything. I'm surprised that that came in at what was it fourth place yeah so the year after the 2010 what was it the uh a christmas carol was it christmas carol no what was one with yeah yeah it's christmas carol. yeah yeah so that got 12.11 million and this one the end of time part one and two got 12.4 see i can't uh, get my head around that that's i weird, cannot cannot yeah. think that that a christmas carol would have beat the last episode with tenant because there was such a big thing about him leaving and everyone knew it was coming, and yeah, I'm. I am surprised by that. I have to question it a bit, actually. Mm. I'm. I'm not sure that can be right, but but yeah, it does seem strange. Because mm. mm. that's the big one. Yeah. So I mean, let's also not forget the Christmas specials. They're not generally regarded as the best <laughs> that Doctor Who has no. to offer. So, no. uh, and I think that's kind of, you know, this the, when you look at the ratings, it's sort of indicative of what. Christmas special is about really, and you can see mm. that it is going downhill. Um, but mm-hmm. fortunately, yeah, like you say, the return of Doctor Mysterio has popped up a little bit. It's done, yeah, which is a good thing because if it had got beaten by the Husbands of River Song, oh. then we would have potentially just thrown the headphones off, turned the mic off, and and that would have been it. Called it a day. Yeah, <laughs> I, do you know what? I almost I feel like I need to go and watch Voyage of the Damned. Now, actually, it's so long since I've watched that. I kind of feel I feel like a bit of. Uh, what they called the host, the, the gold robots. Oh, yeah. 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 I seem to remember I really like it until Max comes <laughs> to that. I remember thinking, yeah. what? But I, it, yeah, I haven't watched it for a while. I might, I don't know. Christmas is over now. I might save it till next year. Give it a rewatch. I was going to say, we're not going to watch it now, are we? No, no. Too, too Christmassy. Too, yes. But I mean, that is a fairly decent Christmas one as well. Yeah. It's not too bad. Um, please, can you tell me? Please, can you reel off the name of the little red spiky dude, please? Oh, no. Uh, what is he called? Balacalif... Oh, no, I don't know. Come on. Was I close? Is it Balacalif... Castro? Does it begin with B? Banacafalata. Banacafalata, yeah, yeah. The little red guy. Yeah. That's it. forgot about him, yeah. Yeah. It's so, and it's got um, Clive Swift. Oh, Richard! yeah. <laughs> 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 so that's it for uh got it all for news there really isn't much sort of kicking about no um but we have got uh, a couple of cute little pieces of merch to do though so yeah. shall we bring the daleks in yeah merch corner merch corner merch corner i don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted it's a bit rubbish but it's pretty it's very pretty playmobile Playmobil. Do you remember Playmobil? I do. I do, yeah. This was a thing. Mm. 
And I'm really glad we're talking about this because I think a lot of people that have been saying these look awful don't know <laughs> that these are a thing. They're not something new that they've thought this is cool. These are a classic toy that yes. they brought the Doctor Who range to. So I love them. Yes. So uh, Playmobil, for yeah. those of you that don't know, has been around longer than we've been alive. Yeah. And it's essentially a very, very simplistic version of Lego. Yeah. So Playmobil is for like the very small, small little toddlers to sort of get their first steps into building stuff before they get onto Lego, which is a bit more intricate mm. slightly. So Playmobil is very basic. It's like, um, you know, there's very, it's just really basic stuff, but the figures themselves look very similar to Lego. They've got like the, the C shaped hands and, you know, very simple facial expressions and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you, go ahead, mate, because you, you were quite enthusiastic and excited about these. Yeah, because, only because, um, I mean, these were announced last year, but we've got some good good um, sort of high-res pictures of the actual product now. And I didn't know Funko were attached to this um, until yeah. until yesterday. So that's quite interesting. But, um, but no, the reason I got a little bit excited there is because I think these look cool and I've read a lot of negative comments um, from people saying, you know, what is this? What are the BBC thinking about? You know, and I don't <laughs> think they realize <laughs> that this is not a new thing. This is not some something that someone sat down a couple of months ago and, and sort of drawn and thought, oh, that's good. We'll, you know, we'll make those. This is a classic toy that has, has you know, now moved on to features some of the doctors and i think it's brilliant yes um so so far i think is it only the two doctors we're getting so far at the minute at the minute it's yeah the, the fourth doctor and the eleventh doctor and then there's going to be more to come right yes yeah um so yeah i i am quite excited about these just because i remember them as a kid um i used to have some playmobil stuff um <laughs> and i just think it's really cool to have doctor who join in that that little uh universe if you like so yeah i'm hmm. quite excited by this i do get why people might you know say somebody who's um you know a lot younger than me they <laughs> might look at this and just think what the hell mm -hmm. uh, and they might think that funko have sort of branched into trying a new range as it's attached to them so i, I get it i get why people are like <laughs> maybe not as confused <laughs> as me but yeah um i think they look cool i love his the fourth doctor's got his sonic as well which is uh looking good yeah, the so, eleventh yeah. the eleventh Doctor has his Sonic as well. Oh, so he has, yeah. Yeah, um, but the yeah, I mean, the, the, the here's the thing: they're not meant to be uh, like this whole new. Cra I mean, it might develop into that this whole new craze of collectibles, like the mm. uh, like the pop figures and all that stuff. It is meant to be a sort of cute. It, I mean, they do look very cute. That's yeah. the thing, you know. They are very cute little you know, things. I'm not sure how how tall are these? They're six inches, so mm. that's like half a school ruler. And uh, they do look quite cute, and uh, and and Funko have kind of dived into it as well because some of the other franchises, there's Ghostbusters, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, um, Back to the Future, yeah, uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. So they've they've launched with some quite sort of high profile franchises, and it's a good that Doctor Who is included in that. Mm, yeah, uh, because we waited for so long for the mm. pop figures in that range, you know, how many years and years, I mean, I did some, I did, um, uh, as some design work for Funko. Um, this was going back in 2014, I think mm. something like that. And as a, you know, while I was 
doing some work for them, I said to them, when are you guys going to bring Doctor Who? You know, in the pot for now. I was like, well, we've, and they kept saying, well, we've had various conversations with the BBC and we just can't get them to commit to the license yet, but we're, we're banging away and we're going to do it. So, um, it took quite a while for, for who to come to the pop range. So it's yeah. great that this range has launched with Doctor Who included. So it is good. And I think they're about 15 quid, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, I will agree that ew, that is perhaps a little pricey, but, um, but yeah, I agree with you. It's great to have them as part of this. I mean, it, Playmobil is quite a big thing. You know, o- overall, it's quite, like you said, it's quite a big, it's a bit like Lego. It's, 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 uh, it's, a, it's a big company to be part of. So it is great to see Doctor Who being, you know, in, in that range. Yeah. Uh, alongside all those other classics as well. Yeah. So, mm, but yeah, 15 quid. Ooh, a little bit more than I thought, but. Uh, yeah, but that's, yeah. yeah. Well, we'll see. I might, I might are they get... going to do a TARDIS? Doesn't have it on there, sure. but I don't know. They Because t- they used to do vehicles as well, didn't they? I can remember going into my local toy shop as a kid, and there used to be a whole massive stand of Playmobil stuff, and there'd be all sorts. There'd be figures and ambulances and houses. They used to, they used to do everything, didn't they? Hmm. So I'm assuming they'll do a little, yeah. some little bits like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I might dip my toe in. I might pick up uh, the fourth Doctor one. He looks good. He does look yeah. pretty good. Yeah. So yeah. we'll see. Yeah, if you're into that though, then check it out. Not much uh, other merch going on. If you're into Not your really. comics, um, uh, I know you mate, you were really liking your Third Doctor Titan. They're comic. really good. Yeah, uh, the they fourth edition's out this week, so yes. we're recording this today on Wednesday, the eleventh. It should be out now, depending on if you're a digital v- uh, reader or you like mm-hmm. your physical comic. But uh, issue number four is dropped this week. Yes, and that's no, going to do. Good. That's going to do for news and merch. Uh, let me just set the scene here. Adam, my my good friend. Mm. What are we going to review <laughs> this week? You're going to electrocute me if I touch the console, are you? <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing this week, buddy? This week, man make fire. Fire. <laughs> uh, it is, of course, we're going right the way back to the beginning, the start of it all, with an unearthly child. So you uh, still challenge me, young man? Oh, just... Open the doors and prove your point. You're so narrow-minded, aren't you? Don't be so insular. Grandfather, do you know where we are? Yes, we've gone back in time, all right. One or two samples, and I should be able to make an estimate. The rock pieces and a few plants. But I do wish this wouldn't keep letting me down. However, we can go out now. Just a minute. You say we've gone back in time? Yes, quite so. So that when we go out of that door, we won't be in a junkyard in London, in England, in the year 1963. That is quite correct. Your tone suggests ridicule. But it is ridiculous. Time doesn't go round and round in circles. You can't get on and off whenever you like in the past or the future. Really? Where does time go then? It doesn't go anywhere. It just happens and then it's finished. (laughs) You're not as doubtful as your friend, I hope. No. Barbara, you can't. I can't help it. I just believe them, that's all. If you could touch the alien sand and hear the cries of strange birds and watch them wheel in another sky, would that satisfy you? Yes. See for yourself. It's not true. It can't be. That's not on the screen. Well, I've no more time to argue with you. I must get some samples. Be careful, Grandfather. An unearthly child. God, I was really enjoying that. I, I think I could just sit and listen to the audio. Oh, don't, mate. 
Yeah, just wow. It's magic. It is. So, where it all started, this went mm. out, first of all, 23rd of November, 1963. I'm sure most mm. uh, Who fans know that date. Yep. In their sleep. <laughs> 23rd of November, 63, important day. So this went out. It was uh, directed by um, uh, Waris Hussein, written, written by Anthony Coburn yeah. uh, and C.E. Weber. Uh, and it was obviously um, uh, uh, produced by the awesome Verity Lambert. Oh, yeah. And if you haven't, before we kick off to, in the review and, and stuff like that, a- anyone uh, listening that hasn't watched An Adventure in Time and Space... Uh, starring, is it David Bradley, isn't it? Yeah. David Bradley, yeah. Yeah, if you haven't seen that, and some of these names don't ring a bell or anything like that, if you watch that, it gives you... It, don't get me wrong, it is a dramatisation. It's not a documentary or anything like that, but it is um, fairly accurate in most things. It does kind of uh, uh, bend the timeline in the and the what really happened a little bit but uh mm. for the most part it's 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 quite an interesting watch and it does explain how Verity Lambert very very much struggled you know to be seen as an imp, you know as a, a proper producer because of mm. back in the early 60s it was the BBC was quite sexist and quite male uh orientated is that the word yeah. dominated viewed yeah. as a bit of a boys club and yeah, and so on. So it's a fascinating story about how it. And to to his credit, uh, Mark Gattis did a brilliant job with that. It's I, I, fantastic, actually. I, I, I feel w- like watching that this afternoon. Actually, no? yeah, <laughs> it's snap, really yeah. good. Yeah, uh, I would say that's probably his finest work. Oh, you know, involved with Doctor Who. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, four parter, twenty five minutes each, mm-hmm. and uh, straight off. And so. An unearthly child sort of encompasses. Um, not many people sort of refer to the names of the all four uh, episodes in this collection, if you like. It's normally when they talk about the first few, it's normally wrapped up in an unearthly child, even though that's just the name of the very first yeah. episode. So, um, unearthly child. Next one is the cave of skulls, then the forest of fear, and then the fire maker, and that kind of makes up this first block or this first initial story if you like and uh straight off the bat buddy i would say that these especially the first episode an unearthly child is just pure magic to watch yeah yeah it, i think it's a great way of summing it up actually yeah i mean just playing that audio clip then i'm mm. just lost i'm just transported off downstairs yeah. to my sofa with a cup of tea and <laughs> shutting the world off and it's just yeah, there's nothing. It's it's very very basic in terms of its production and it's what's actually going on. Mm. Uh, however, I would probably take this over quite a big handful of of stories that have come out since two thousand and five. Oh yeah, it's uh, it's just. There's obviously the nostalgia effect, you know, because it's in black and white and it's the mm. the olden days and, and all that stuff. It has got a certain, you know, charm about it from that respect. But it also, I mean, we'll come on to more of the story and stuff, but it's, it's just fascinating to watch mm. because there's, there's no backstory. There's no explaining who the Doctor is. There's no explaining mm. 
really what's going on. It's just a couple of school teachers concerned about a student. They bump into this crazy old grumpy man <laughs> and then they're off. You know, this was the very first episode. If you Can you imagine a, a series going out now or, or a film, you know, in sci-fi that doesn't have some kind of exposition and explains what's going on and there's no prologue and there's no... Yeah, they'd they'd be insane. They'd be like, "What are you doing? You can't just <laughs> you can't just pick up and expect people to come along on the journey and know what's going on." It's uh, it's but just incredible. Do. Yeah, it's um, they did. it yeah, and I'm I'm pretty sure because back in the day with sci-fi, like going back to, in the early '60s, it was very much the old school. Ah, oh, what's going on? Sort of Flash Gordon. Oh, yeah. You know, all of that old, really old sci fi. But Mm. even then, on those, like the old Flash Gordons, you had like the, uh, you know, like the opening crawl, like we have in Star Wars, where it tells you what's going to happen. So it says, you know, Flash Gordon's doing this and he's, this Mm. has happened and now we're off and and this. But with this one, it's like, no, we're not going to tell you anything. You just Mm. need to trust us and come along for the, uh, it's just, it's brilliant. It's, it's something yeah. different. You're right. It's something different. I think one of my favorite things uh, um, I remember Colin Baker ever saying was asked, you know, when he started watching Doctor Who, he said, he said you know, I, I watched the very first one. He said, I popped around to a friend's house. Um, I leant in the doorway to see what he was watching. Uh, and 25 minutes later, I realized I was still stood in the doorway. He said, I was just transfixed by it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's exactly how I feel. I watch it and I and I've watched episode yeah, the first episode quite a lot of times mm-hmm. um i've watched that one a lot um because and i think that is the perfect word for it magic yeah it is just um a fantastic watch i never get bored of watching it either like you know even though i can almost quote it as they're speaking i can almost talk talk along with the picture word for word i love it um and the good thing about this pod doing this podcast is i'll openly admit i normally only watch the first episode so many a time i've put this on i watch the first episode i quite often go back and watch the pilot um because i love comparing (laughs) the two because on the dvd you get the pilot episode as well um and um which i'll come on to a little bit in a minute actually because i'll talk to you about that but but um but i very rarely go on and watch episodes two three and four because in my mind i always think they're (laughs) unbearably slow and i think no i can't bother to sit through that it's really hard work obviously yesterday you know for for the sake of the review i thought right well i'll have to watch the whole thing for once you know i normally switch off at this point but i'm gonna have to carry on and watch the cavemen bit and oh you know and i wasn't (laughs) dreading it but i was thinking oh this is gonna be a bit of a slog um i'm so glad that we do this podcast because i have found a whole new love for this story as a whole um, right. And I don't think I will be switching it off after episode one anymore. Um, it's not to say that I think the episodes two to four are brilliant or amazing or anything like that, but they're so much better than I thought they were. Mm-hmm. I actually found myself really enjoying it. Um, and so many bits I'd forgotten because I haven't watched them uh, for so long, like the doctor lighting up his big old pipe yeah. in episode two, the mm-hmm. cave of skulls and then getting knocked out and, and <laughs> things like that. Um, and the acting was better than I thought. I seem to remember that the guys in it were really 
uh, amateurish in their cavemen like you know me man I thought it was all very in my head I thought it was all very staged um, but actually they're pretty good the people in it it's just yeah I found a whole new love for it so I've always loved episode one I've always thought it was just a fantastic piece of television um, but I now really like episodes two to four um, and I think they're so different to the first episode mm-hmm. I think that's why in my head I always thought episode one was great. The rest wasn't very good because I think they just, the tone shift is pretty big and they're so different to the first episode that um, I guess you're not always in the mood for it, but it was really good to just sit and watch this as a one story um, the other day. So yeah, I've got a whole new love for it, mate. I really, really enjoyed it. You know. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that because mm. some of our uh, listeners have said very um, similar things about episode one an unearthly child versus the next three mm. and that's kind of a pattern where you know the first one has got you know the the it's like the pebble the 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 first pebble that dropped in the pond you know and that's what people love but then as the sort of mm. ripple goes out and people tend to switch off and they don't feel it's as good but um i completely agree with you because i i thought the same thing i've watched the first one and maybe Oh, I'd probably say I've watched it around four or five times mm. um, overall, and I've probably wa- probably watched the next three maybe twice. Yeah, I'm probably saying. I mean, I don't think I've watched them since yeah. the DVD came out. I think I watched them once with the uh, production subtitles on, and probably wasn't even really paying that much attention. But yesterday, you know, with the review, you're you're sort of trying to watch it properly, mm-hmm. you know, without looking at your phone and stuff. And, and I, I had a feeling, I thought, oh, I'm just going to be sat looking at my phone all the way through this. I wasn't. I was actually like, I was loving Hartnell in it. Um, I was just loving what was going on. And I just thought, I think because episode one is so strong, it does totally overshadow the rest of the story. Um, mm-hmm. they're, they're decent episodes. They're not, they're not great. They're not bad. They're decent episodes, but they just get overshadowed by episode one because it's so good, I think. Yeah. yeah. And I'm exactly the same as you, mate. I, in my head, I thought, well, this is going to be fine. I'm going to watch the first one. And then I'll probably... Uh, stop there, go and do something, come back, watch the others. But no, I just watched all four of them, mm-hmm. just uh, straight through because Hartnell, Hartnell's um, the way that he played the Doctor. There always seems to be something that draws you in. Yeah, you know, no matter how many times you watch Hartnell, there's always little things that you just you just fall in love with all over again. You know, and absolutely, it's be- and because as the first Doctor. It, it it doesn't get as much love these days as you know some of the other doctors and so on. Uh, mm. I don't think he's he, he's he's definitely not you know one of the more viewed doctors. No, you know so and it's a shame because every time that we review a Hartnell story, I just fall in love with his you know how he played mm. the doctor a little bit more every time. Absolutely, and the same. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those things. I mean, I watched it uh, not yesterday Monday night and. Um, yeah, I just thought to myself, I'm going to watch the first one and then I'll either go to bed and watch the others tomorrow or whatever. But no, it's like 10 to midnight, uh, the fourth one finished. And I'm like, I'm really glad that I watched all of those because it's, uh, I don't know, it just, and, and I didn't want to stop there either. I was like, you know, I just want to carry on going through, you know, series one, the proper series one. Yeah, yeah. But I thought, <laughs> no, I'm so tired. But uh, So you watched all four in one go? Yeah. 
See, to my yeah. amazement, so did I. And I hadn't planned to either. I thought, I'm going to watch the first two. Right. I'm, d- I'm definitely watching the first two. I thought, and then I'll I'll probably, because I knew I'd got a staff party. I thought, I'm going to be hungover by the time I get to watch the other two, and that's going <laughs> to be murder. So, But I'd planned to watch two and two. But no, just like you, got to the end of episode two, and I thought, actually, I'm really enjoying this. I'm really going along with this. I'm, I'm just going to watch the next one, and maybe I'll save the part four and, and the pilot for another day. And, you know, uh, No, I watched... I watched all four in one go as well because I really got carried away with it. Yeah. And I think it is because of Hartnell. I just, I don't know why, but I always just forget how much I love him. He's so, even when he's fluffing his lines a little bit and stuff, but he's so (laughs) watchable and and engaging and and, and he makes me laugh because he's just so, especially in episode one, like I said, when he electrocutes Ian, He's crazy. He's so unpredictable. You just don't know what he's going to do next. And he's tetchy and funny um, and grumpy. And I just, I love him. Yeah. He was a, the the doctor as a character was written very well, right from the off. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, uh, I know he's evolved over the years and different actors have played him. Mm. They've brought their own thing. But I think one thing that's consistent with the doctor is the, he's always written so interesting Mm. that you can't help but i mean i completely i can understand why colin baker said that where he's just standing in the doorway you know and 25 minutes later he's still there you know yeah. watching it because it just the doctor as a character it's just so intriguing and, and i i can only this is going to sound really timey-wimey and really strange but if i had a tardis it would be amazing to go back to 63 Mm. And w- watch this first episode with other people to yeah. see what their reaction was. I know that sounds very weird to own a TARDIS to go back in time to watch Doctor Who, <laughs> you know, but it's, uh, I would just love to have seen people's reaction as they're watching it for the very, very first time, mm. you know, to see, because it would have been, because the episode opens, I mean, the atmosphere in watching that opening scene where you see the policeman walking through the fog and we get to that thing. I mean, that's a sense of tingle, even mm. just talking about it, but people would have thought, you know, this is quite standard at the moment. It's not when we talk about sci-fi, I haven't seen a spaceship yet. I haven't seen outer space yet. You know, I haven't seen a ray gun or anything. This is yeah. quite normal. This is quite standard. And then we still don't see anything. It's just in a, in a high school and we've got teachers and so on. And it's not until we see the Doctor and then we run inside the TARDIS. You know, Ian runs inside and it's um, it's amazing. And it's just, I would have loved to have seen people's, because it, it's very different to what had been on ever before. Yeah, it's it's well, it's 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 um it's very. I was going to say trippy, isn't it? It's just it's just bonkers from the yeah. word go. Yes. Um, I was going to say actually, you mentioned the theme there because we're so used to the theme now. And like when this starts, it does get allowed to play for mm-hmm. ages. It goes, it doesn't just stop when the episode starts. The theme carries on while we've got that whole yeah. opening shot of the policeman and the junkyard and the TARDIS. But it's such an unusual theme. Yeah. Can you imagine? Never, you've never heard that theme before. Never, no version of it. Anything? Mm-hmm. Can you imagine the first time someone heard that theme? They must have been like, "What is this? It doesn't even sound like a piece of music. It's just, it's just mad. It's, it's, it's yeah." It's a it's a really brave move, I think, having that theme. Yeah, um, and it's so iconic, and it's and it's so different to anything else that they would have had 
Um, like you said, to just to be able to sit with somebody and just hear that theme for the first time, I think would be amazing. Yes, and it's um, and it's ev- like the Doctor. It, that theme has evolved over the years, and now it's become yeah. more of a standard thing. It's got a very a very definite time signature now, and now we've got mm. drums and stuff like that, and it's become more of a sort of proper piece of music. But back then, this original one, it was very abstract and very yeah off the wall and you know people had never heard anything like it i mean that was the um the whole symphonic um what was the uh the old sound lab called the bbc something oh, uh, lab. D- uh, d- d- oh what's it called uh, you know Derbyshire. Called. yeah um radio Derbyshire. Derbyshire. she Is ran it yeah what was it called the old um radiophonic radiophonic no, workshop later, radiophonic workshop yeah yeah uh, so those guys were it was very experimental and abstract and that is another you know you just kind of clap your hands together and look up and you you just kind of think thank you so much very lambert for putting your foot down and saying we're going to do this you know i don't care if it's different and we've never seen it before i believe in it and we're going to do it it's going to be great so i think she did yeah she did that with the i think when they originally sort of looked at the you know program before it went out the 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 hierarchy of the BBC, they were like, no, theme needs to change. So does the sound of TARDIS sound effect. That needs to change. And she pretty much stuck to her guns yeah. um, with mm-hmm. the, with that and said, no, you know, the theme's staying. I like the theme. It's what I wanted. And, you know, so that it is. Yeah, you've got a very Lambert played a very big part in how Doctor Who started off. No doubt about that. Um, the TARDIS sound effect did change slightly. I don't, did you have a chance to watch the pilot? Yes. Yeah, because I I love the pilot. Um, this I find it extraordinary that they they decided to reshoot. You know, they basically they filmed it. Um, they showed it to who who was it who ordered the reshoot? Um, um, Sydney Newman. The, Sydney Newman, of course. Yeah. yeah, Sydney Newman basically said, "Yeah, some good stuff here, but I want you to reshoot it," which was pretty unusual, I think, at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so they went back and they refilmed the whole thing um, from start to finish, and they they changed a few bits you know he'd he'd watched what they'd done and made a few notes he wanted the doctor more subtle in his performance he didn't want him quite so spiky i mean he's even more crazy in the pilot i love him in the pilot like there's a bit where he does a manic laugh which is just brilliant (laughs) um and they changed a few other things one thing i do love about the pilot is it's got this thunderclap at the start of the theme and i wish they'd left that in because it starts and it just goes Yes. And it really yeah. kicks up. I, like, I don't know why they got rid of that because I love that. But the TARDIS sound effect is different in the pilot and it's not, it has got the bit that we know in it, but it hasn't, it's not like all the way through. It's really, really, um, it's more sound effects, isn't it? The, rather than just having that one sound effect that progresses, it's mm-hmm. more of a um, collection of sound effects. So you can hear the sort of main bit in there, but there's lots of other stuff going on. It's a more crazy, messy version of the TARDIS takeoff. So I am glad that they tweaked that slightly because that is such an iconic sound. Um, but yeah. the pilot is is wonderful, isn't it? Like it, the, the TARDIS looks so clean in the pilot, <laughs> whereas in the transmitted one, it looks really dirty. Um, it's so clean in the pilot. Um, and what's the other bits? That I mean, there are quite a few different. The TARDIS inside looks a little bit different. Yeah, their costumes um, are different. Costumes are different. Yeah. I actually think the performances from Ian and Barbara seem more natural in the pilot. They seem to just, I don't know, in the other one, you know when you, 
you know when you rehearse something too much you're almost just saying the lines you're going through the motions rather yeah. than yeah yeah they're a little bit more natural mm-hmm. in the pilot only slightly it's quite subtle but they seem to just be more flowing with it whereas in the transmitted version they do seem to be a little bit like you can sort of almost feel like they've done it a hundred times before and they're just sort of reading the lines a little bit. But, but um, yeah, it's, I'll tell you the other, the other thing I was going to say is it is amazing that we've still got that footage. I, it, it amazes me considering how much Doctor Who has been lost over the years, you know, like so much of Pat Troughton's era is lost, um, you know, thanks to the BBC wiping the episodes. I find it incredible that we've still got this pilot episode <laughs> to watch. And yeah. also on the DVD, it's got the, studio floor footage so you can watch it starts off as the pilot and then there's a bit where barbara goes into the tardis um and it shows you all the different takes of her doing that That's and right. they basically they they record it as live so you get like two different takes of that whole 15 minute scene um and that's the bit where the, they can't close the doors behind barbara so they just carry on there's all this banging and clunking around mm-hmm. but going on behind it but they just carry on and the doctor completely forgets his line at one point yeah. they just carry on yeah. it's it's amazing to see yeah people um, knock stuff over and there's oh yeah uh, there's a bit where the thing the yeah uh, the junkyard isn't it yeah camera bumps into a bit of the set and um, yeah i think hartnell knocks something over at some point um yeah. in the junkyard and it's very messy <laughs> it's very um <laughs> it's very messy but that's what tv was back in the day you didn't have um because i think if i remember correctly and correct me if i'm wrong and this is only after watching an adventure in time and space but they were sort of relegated to one of the really rubbishy studios at the bbc yeah (laughs) and uh they um yeah they they had it i think they labeled it the broom cupboard or something (laughs) they nicknamed it and uh so they had very very basic studio to work with it wasn't that great and that the the, you know they would essentially they wouldn't have been afforded you know some of the more you know expensive set uh decorations and camera equipment and all that stuff so they really just had to work with what they had you know the bbc said well i think sydney newman basically said oh you know I, i think he bought into verity lambert more than he did the program itself Probably. So I think yeah. he was more like, oh, you know, we'll go with it, but I can't, you know, this is, you, you're going to have to work with the very basics of, of the basics. So uh, it's no surprise that, in, especially in these first few episodes, there was, you know, the odd clangor and stuff going mm. wrong and camera equipment bumping in and yeah. and all that stuff. But it's just, that's what it makes, makes it. it. What, yeah, yeah. That's what makes it what it is. People saw past that. You know, there wasn't, I mean, certainly there was no, of course there was no internet, but the people that did speak about it afterwards, you know, I'm pretty sure that they weren't all gathering around, you know, talking about, you know, mistakes from episode one and all that. No, exactly. They, did, they didn't yeah. care. They were talking about Hartnell and how good the story was and what's a TARDIS and, you know, and it was, yeah. Oh, oh God, we could talk about this for bloody hours, this, oh, no. this one. but I, I will say this, though. I wish that, that when Barbara enters the TARDIS, and this must have been a time restraint thing, it's so much better in the pilot because she walks oh, through yeah. the TARDIS yeah. door straight into the console room. That's and right. in the in the transmitted version, they've just done a jump cut. They obviously didn't have time to refilm that. Um, I was going to say I'm surprised they didn't 
Because I suppose they could have edited the two together, but she's wearing different clothes, isn't she, in yeah. the pilot? Yeah. Like, yeah, I was thinking, why didn't they just use that take? But yeah, they wouldn't have been able to, would they? Because mm. they used the, the TARDIS take from the pilot at the end, because that's why it keeps the TARDIS keeps going from looking clean to dirty um, on the, you know, when the TARDIS mm. lands. Uh, you know, there's an inconsistency there because that's clearly from the pilot episode. That's right, yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess they could use that because it, it didn't matter. But yeah, I don't know. There are certain bits. I mean, I love the I love the thunderclap in the theme. I wish they'd kept that. Um, the bit where Barbara enters the TARDIS is better in the pilot. Um, the Doctor's got some wonderful speeches um, which get slightly altered in the transmitted mm-hmm. version. I mean, that's that's one of the things I'd forgotten, really, is how much I love how Hartnell delivers some of the wonderful dialogue in this this you know first episode, like the the clip you played in um, and all that. Um, one thing that's changed for the better, though, he doesn't say my favourite line in the pilot. Well, he does, but he says it differently, and I don't know if it's a mistake or if it was actually rewritten. But um, in the transmitted version, he he says that bit um, ship, yes, ship. This doesn't roll along on wheels, you know. Oh, I've always yeah. loved that. Yeah. And in the pilot, he doesn't say that. He's he says something like, yes, ours, you know, just because this doesn't roll along on wheels doesn't make it, you know, it doesn't mean it's not a spaceship like your things. So he says something different. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, so I never know if he fluffed the line, but made it funny or if they rewrote it to be similar. But either way, I do prefer it in the transmitted one. Yeah, I yeah. think they rewrote it. They must have I done. I think yeah. so. Yeah. 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 And the, I was going to say, the, um, the differences between the pilot one of the, the main differences that we spoke about before is just how Hartnell is a bit more in the pilot. He's quite um, short tempered mm. and is a bit more abrupt with Ian and Barbara and is quite, yeah. you know, very borderline, you know, quite rude. He's and, a bit more sinister, isn't yeah, he? Yeah. Whereas in when they reshot it, or I think they were told or he was told to sort of lighten it up just a little bit, soften it a little bit. Because mm. he was very, very... I mean, he's confrontational at the beginning, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, especially towards Ian. And in the pilot, it's very, very evident that he was he took that... He read the script and really, like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to play this, like, you know, quite bullish in, at times as well. So that was another thing as well that's quite different. So in terms of direction and how Hartnell played those opening scenes, the interactions with Ian and Barbara is quite softer in Definitely. the transmitted version, yeah. So Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's fascinating, yeah, like you say, it was quite unheard of to go back and reshoot an entire episode pretty much mm, Yeah, uh, back then. But uh, I mean, I'm quite... so glad it exists. I'm so glad it's in oh, the yeah. archives because yeah. can you imagine if it was just myth lore or, you know, like the, there's this pilot that they did and, you know, but we'll never see it because it was destroyed. It'd be mm. heartbreaking, but to, to actually have it all there on the DVD, and it, it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. it's great. Uh, one thing that they struggled with, in especially in the pilot, and one thing that they didn't get, they never fixed properly, even throughout many of the classic years, was the bloody TARDIS doors being able to stay shut. <laughs> How no. difficult is it to get a door <laughs> to stay shut? I mean, no. I, I remember watching the special features on certain classic ones, even, even up to, I think it was a McCoy story. Or maybe I can't, I can't remember exactly, but ha- having to have backstage people hold the doors shut because they wouldn't close yeah. by themselves and stay yeah. shut. It always has fascinated me because it's just a door. Yeah, you know, know. When, you, when you've got quite an 
you know, a complex prop like the TARDIS console, which has got, you know, a thousand buttons on it and it's got that big central column that goes up and down and there's lights and everything. I know that was never bulletproof, but when you consider something like that versus a door, that's always fascinated me. And I, I love the fact, I think it's in the second take of the pilot, you see they finally get the door shut and they're trying to do it so subtly in the second take, aren't they? Because they've made so much noise the first time. So you see it <laughs> going back and forth. They finally get it shut. And then you just see this massive shadow of the person behind the round doors walking, <laughs> trying to creep off. It's yeah. like, it's, it could not be more obvious. Oh, yeah. it's, it's great to see though. It's stuff like that. I just love, love looking out for that sort of thing. It's hardest doors. Tardis doors, yeah, the bane of the. Actually, that's the other thing you're saying about differences. Like this whole episode centers around the fact that these two people have walked to the Tardis. They've seen it. You know, the Doctor's like, they, it's too late now. They'll have to come with us. They've seen it all. We can't possibly let them go. You think, and then you sort of jump forward to say, uh, I don't know, Black Orchid, and mm-hmm. he's like, he's actually inviting people in the Tardis. In that, he's <laughs> like, oh, come on, come and have a look at this. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. So the Doctor obviously over the years um, comes to realise that he can let people in TARDIS but it's quite funny you know he's electrocuting people in the first episode because they <laughs> come so in so funny that bit it's oh, live right, it's, li- it's live yeah poor old Ian poor Ian yeah <laughs> um, let's talk about very briefly um, just sort of the overall story of these four parts and before we mm, move on yeah, to yeah. Um, yeah, characters but the first episode is kind of isolated it yeah. very much revolves around Susan I would say because <clears throat> excuse me you have the you have uh, ian and barbara who are very concerned because she is a she does come across rightly so as a bit of an oddball in the classes mm. because she knows loads of stuff about especially history and science she's yeah. really really up on those things because and this is another thing as a viewer back then you wouldn't know why mm. you were intrigued as like how you know how does she know so much about this stuff i mean that's just oh god i can't wrap my head around yeah you know the fact that nobody would have known why at the time but uh so she's a bit of an oddball and then you know they follow her to make sure she's okay and but she's really i think the basis for it is she's kind of settled into this time period hasn't she she's kind of found a place where she can sort of fit in yeah you know to to this particular the 20th century as she puts it so she can sort of fit in but it's because of the concern by ian and barbara that she's uh you know they sort of get wrapped up in the whole time travel thing you know completely unintentionally they get wrapped up in it all and uh and then it's about susan you know very much saying i don't want to leave you know i don't want to go if you're going to be like that, then I'd rather just leave you in the TARDIS and I'll stay here and, and all that. So it's that first 25 minutes is really about, well, I guess it's about Susan's relationship with the Doctor. Hmm. And it sets the tone that they're exiles, doesn't it? She's yes. she's found somewhere where they can settle. Yes. So she yeah. wants she wants to stay there, obviously, because of that. And he's just like, oh, well, you've ruined it all now. We'll have to go again. He's just ready to go off and... He's obviously not settled. <laughs> yes, you know, I, yeah. I love it when he says, does he say it in the transmitted? Listen, Dr. Foreman. And he goes, Dr. Who? Like, like, yes, it's obviously he like, does. it's obviously not his junkyard, uh, which mm. makes you think, well, where's, where, what's happened to Mr. Foreman? <laughs> Got yeah. visions of Hartnell's doctor, like having him tied up in a cupboard somewhere. <laughs> Cause you, that you just don't know with Hartnell's doctor at this point, you know, 
Yeah, he's obviously like taken over someone's scrapyard. <laughs> yeah, and it, yeah, because it's 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 nice how they've kind of buried the TARDIS away in the corner as well. Yeah, that that's another thing that's cool about this. Nothing is shoved in your face, you but know? it's all there. But it's there. It's all there in play. It's kind of hidden in plain sight. Is the best mm. way to describe it. It's all there. But they've yeah. been. I mean, I. It's just genius from the writers and the the people making it that they've done it that way mm. and that's still even and there's so many things about this first episode that just turn my brain to mush and that's <laughs> that's one of the things that i absolutely love and fascinated by it is that back then tv was very you know it's very simple you know it's like join the dots tv back then it was like if you're going to have a program especially a fictional program then you absolutely had to explain who everybody was and what they were doing and why they were doing it. But this mm. one, even in the junkyard, you only really see the TARDIS in shadow until yeah. they get closer to it. And then, you know, it's just not there. It's like, ta-da, here's the TARDIS, mm. you know. It's not like that at all. It's um, They're very adventurous in the way they've tried to shoot it as well. I think they've almost, they've really stretched themselves for the, mm. for the time it was filmed. Do you know what I mean, like you said, back then, it'd be a case of cameras there, point, shoot. Have we got everybody in, in a line to say their lines? You know what I mean? Everyone yeah. stood in the position that they're all facing the camera. In this, they're really trying, hence why there's quite a few bits where it's bumping into the set and that. They're really trying to make something yes. different, aren't they? Like the yeah. camera's moving in to film Barbara, but it goes out of focus, so it pulls back, and then it, we're getting a shot of her and Ian, which is just so, you know taken for granted now mm -hmm. but back then they wouldn't really do that they would have just literally had in and barbara stood next to each other saying their lines but they've tried to do something different yeah um and yeah like i said sometimes the camera goes too <laughs> far and out of focus or bangs into a wall but at least they were trying to make something that people would be like oh yeah you know i haven't seen anything like this before yeah mm. it can't be understated really the just how important so many factors were mm. in making this because it, this could have gone terribly wrong. Yeah. This could have been a real flop because it's a massive risk, you know, bringing your lead character into the show. First of all, not first on the, on the billing. So we don't see the doctor at first. No, he's we, not. It's about 11 minutes before yep. he comes into it. So, yeah. and we see um, the companions or the eventual companions and Susan first. We don't get an explanation for anything. We just, you know, they just assume that the audience would watch it and go along with it. So, I mean, nowadays you could probably say, well, you know, there's, there's so much money in TV that they could probably afford to take certain risks. But back in 1963, let's not forget how much of a massive risk mm. th th it was to do that because that we we could have had nothing now. If if it wasn't because of those solid performances and that gr those great first moments, then I, we may not have we may not be sitting here, mate, talking about you know anything. It could have just been a. You'd never imagine that yeah. it'd still be fifty odd years later that mm -hmm. it would still be on the TV and that we'd still be talking about it, would you? That if you could, like you say, if you go back in the TARDIS and say <laughs> to you know uh, Sydney Newbin, Sydney, let's have a bet. What's yeah. that, mate? I'm going to wager now 
<laughs> what would the money have been back then? That that we're still still talking about Doctor Who in fifty odd years. He'd have snapped your hand off, wouldn't he? Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, although yeah, yeah technically he wouldn't have been able to get the money back. But you know, it's, the, the point stands. It's uh, yeah. I don't think they would have had any idea back then. Yeah. You know what they what history they were making. Yeah. Yeah. And um, one of the things that I I do love about the show, whether it's the result of somebody passionate about it or the actors or what, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. is that it's up until when it came back in 2005 before then i love the fact that it was the rebellious little teenager of the bbc because even when it this was first being made this first episode people didn't really like it no you know, you know the it, i remember a scene in in the mockumentary where verity lambert goes to the one of the set designers and asks him to design the tardis mm. and he just mockingly makes this strange little round tower thing with some round doors around the background and jokingly says, there you go. Yeah. And uh, so nobody had any faith in it. Nobody really liked it. And then even as we get through the classic years, you know, it's always been like the troubled little teenager of the BBC where the head Mm. of the BBC, you know, they don't really show much love to it. It's never been allocated a lot of budget uh, back in the classic years. And it's always just, Got through. I mean, I know yeah. it was eventually cancelled um, in the in, in the McCoy years. However, it still did bloody well. It just it got through. Yeah, that's you know? true. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's never been fully back then. It's never been fully supported no, by no. anybody high up or or anything. Is it until you know until we get into the uh, in two thousand and five when it starts making money and the BBC are like, all oh, right, you know, we can, can make, <laughs> of course, make good yeah. on this. Yeah, yeah. It's but all about then, the money. Yeah, it was yeah. just in the background, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so I, I absolutely love that. Even back then, the mm. very first episode when nobody really liked it, everyone thought it was just going to flop. It's just, it just did its thing, you know, yeah. captured the minds and, and hearts of everyone. And I love that. I, that's, that's what makes what we do just so cool. You know, because we've we backed the right horse. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is the right way to say. It. Even back then, people that didn't really get it because we'd know nothing was explained. We were in the dark for a little while. People just, you know, they were into it. I think the, a lot of people credit the Daleks, the next story, don't they, for being the, the story that really saved Doctor Who. I think yeah. a lot of people had written yeah. it off after the end of of. Um, you know, the, the, this story. So what, what was part four called? It was, so they, they'd sort of said, well, this isn't going to go on for much longer. The Firemaker. The fire, um, yeah. And then the Daleks, you know, captured the, you know, brought it into the big time. But, uh, but yeah, you can't, you can't take away any credit from, from actually the very first episode, you know, at all. I mean, that did as a bigger job as anything, really. Mm. As any first episode does, it's got to, it's got to hook you or you're, you know, or you're sunk. Basically. Well, that's it exactly. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, let's not talk about the Daleks because that's going to that's a whole nother. Yeah, it's a whole other story. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, the first episode it's quite isolated, and then the next three are very mm. joined together. It's almost like yep. one long episode, really, mm. and it's all centered around the cave people and their, you know, their desperate need to find fire, create fire. I mean, it's really simplistic storytelling. Very. Yeah. It's basically, you know. This is a, a a series about time travel. Do we go forward or back? So they obviously decided that the most, the, you know, the easiest way, you know, and it's almost like, it's almost like the doctors made that decision because he has, he's, you know, he's proving to Ian, especially 
that this is a time machine. Yeah. You know, because Ian's just basically <laughs> tried to slap him down at every turn to say, this is not true. It's, Im- it's impossible. So the doctor's like, okay, here we go. So they end up back in time. And what do you do when you go back in time? It's either dinosaurs or it's cavemen <laughs> or maybe a combination yeah. of the two. But so the cavemen thing is just so simple. So it's just basically them trying to survive. How do we there's make a, fire? Yeah, there's yep. a bit of a, um, who are the two guys? So you've got two ca- main cavemen, um, Zar and uh, Carl, Carl, Cal, Cal, isn't it? Cal. There's three, isn't there? There's her. Oh, yeah, there's the, 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 the dad one um, that, and the woman, yeah. Yeah, so Zar and but the, Cal. But who are the two that are sort of, um, they're having a bit of a testosterone Oh, that's match. Cal and Hawk, I think, is it? Cal and Hawk? I thought it was Cal and Zar. Or Cal and um, Zar. Yeah, because they're having a bit of a, you know, uh, macho thing oh, going yeah. on. Sorry, yeah. You know, yeah. I bring the meat. Well, I started fire once. Yeah. Well, you haven't done it since. Well, I can. And there's, there's all that going on, isn't there? Yeah. Like this yeah. this thing between the two of them. Um, I think what <laughs> properly surprised me, actually, was I remember thinking, oh, we'll have, we're going to have one of those terrible 60s fight sequences in a minute <laughs> where they just keep slapping oh, yeah. each other. And I thought, oh, God. When we do get to that fight scene, it's so much more brutal than I remembered. I was thinking, this is not the this is not the sixties slapstick that I remember. They're actually like, it's more. It's not so much what you see. It's more the screaming <laughs> from the two actors. It's pretty yeah. horrific, actually, for the time. Yeah, I was quite shocked by that. I mean, it's not. Don't get me wrong. It's nothing. It's, it's nothing not- violent, but it's just not the sort of pantomime fighting that i remembered it's actually pretty um nasty yeah yeah i know Uh, what you mean it's not yeah it's It's no on film as well which makes it seem more real somehow i don't Mm. know yeah it's much better than i thought it's quite brutal i mean doesn't one of them pick up a a massive boulder and and kill and kills him like instantly and then drags him off by his just drags him away smashes his skull in and apparently there was a sound effect that they removed um I don't know. Somebody said to them, the, you know, you need to take that off. That's too much. Yeah, um, but yeah. that would have re- that would have been too much because even just seeing him go and smashing it, you know, you get the impression that he's smashed his skull in. Even that's pretty harsh for the time, <laughs> for the era. Um, so, yeah, if you'd have had a crushing, I think they crushed a watermelon or something to make the sound effect, it right. says. So if they'd have had that on top, you, it's pretty heavy stuff <laughs> for... Hmm. You know, for sixties TV. So yeah, I was really shocked by that. I mm. was, I just kept thinking, oh, we're going to get, a, you know, these two are out going at each other any minute now. They're going to have one of those terrible fights, and I'm going to have to sit through five minutes of them tickling each other with a rock. You yeah. know, <laughs> but it's no, it's done pretty well actually. It I is. thought, yeah, yeah. And the remaining storyline for for well for pretty much these three episodes is we, th- I think this kind of set the precedence for the precedence for classic who where it's very much a sort of cat and mouse game yeah and it's very much escape get recaptured yeah. escape yeah and that's pretty much it because at this point in time ian and barbara have obviously bought into the idea that time travel is possible so that's no longer in question so it's then just on to you know how do we escape the cavemen and it's a nice sort of little trick by the doctor isn't it towards the end it's a nice he sort of fools them into thinking um, because we have the scene, don't we? The the classic scene with the skulls on fire. Oh yeah, that's good. You yeah. Know? Um, so it 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 sort of gets wrapped up nicely, but then 
that's an, an, another thing that's quite good about this is it doesn't have the big sort of happy ending with like yeah heroes sort mm. of looking at the camera and it's like next week our next adventure will be it's literally yeah. back into the TARDIS and then we're we're off you know it's just a continual uh, new adventure yeah you know? and I, I like the fact that they don't know whether they can trust the doctor so there's in all in between all this sort of running around and escaping in and barbara still not sure who this crazy old guy is i mean there is a bit where the doctor picks up a rock and he's gonna bash he's gonna hit the um unconscious caveman on the floor on the head and ian says to him what are you doing he's like and that's pretty harsh you don't really often see the the doctor doing stuff like that so even at that point just when ian thought maybe he could trust the doctor because they've he's helped him escape. Yeah. He's then seeing this guy who's quite clearly prepared to kill someone for his own survival, picking up a rock. You know, so again, so yeah. that that whole can I trust the doctor, can't I, is all the way through this story, which I love. You know, just when they think, well, he might be all right. He's a bit tetchy, but he might be all right. Oh, no, no, he's got <laughs> a rock in his hand. You know, you're never quite sure, Yeah, which I thought was really good. Yeah. I mean, Ian and Barbara, they do kind of... Uh, they they do sort of get into it because they have no choice because mm. they're there in the situation. So I think ultimately it's down to, isn't it Ian that, you know, he, he obviously knows how to make fire a lot more than the cavemen do. Yeah. Um, which sort of gives them their opportunity to then, you know, bugger off to the TARDIS and escape. But um, I know I keep saying this, but another thing that's really great about this is the fact that the TARDIS is just some, uh, thing that seemingly doesn't work as it should. You yeah, know, that's another yeah, yeah. another thing that we've never seen. I mean, in sci-fi at that point, every ship was this really clean, futuristic-looking rocket-shaped thing that you know worked marvelously all the time. Whereas mm-hmm. here we got the TARDIS. When the Doctor first steps out of the of the TARDIS, he sort of looks around and he's like, "Why is it still?" Why hasn't it changed? Why hasn't it changed? Yeah, because that's, yeah. that's the introduction that we now know as the chameleon circuit, which yeah. has been bust ever since then. Yeah, and uh, and that's another strange thing as well. It's like why would why would our hero, quote unquote, uh, be travelling around in a broken spaceship? It makes no <laughs> yeah. sense at all. And then mm-hmm. he has no clue where he is because when they escape and they finally go off in the TARDIS, he can't be sure where they are. He's kind of, you know, the TARDIS has, you know, almost randomly placed them somewhere. And the Doctor yeah. doesn't know, you know, what's going on 100% with it. So, again, you know, more more risk-taking. Yeah, because a- they're like, can't you get us back? Don't you, don't you know how to use this thing? And he's just, well, of course I do, but, I, well, not really, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, it just adds another great element into it doesn't it that they could just end up anywhere and they don't not really control because it'd be so boring wouldn't it if the doctor could just say yeah i'll just take you back home now which it's really weird actually it depends which story it is doesn't it sometimes the doctor seems to be able to just land exactly where he wants and other times it's yeah he's out of control. it's more fun when he can't mm-hmm. it's, it's much more fun when he can't just conveniently you know go exactly where he wants to be or yeah. needs to be yeah yeah it's cool yeah. And uh, before, just very quickly, what what do you feel about the injection of Clara into this story plot from what what was the episode where we see her go back through all the different doctors and we see how she's mm-hmm. helped him? Was it the scene where 
Hartnell's escaping from Gallifrey, and she says That's you it. should take this one. This one, yeah. What do you reckon? The on name, that? name of the doctor was it? Was it name doctor? Um, well, no, I don't like. That. Or do you reckon it I should d- have just been completely left in mystery about how he obtained yeah. it and all that? Yeah, it's another detail that just did not need explaining or filling in. Or no, no, right, no, right. I don't like that. I don't. No, You're I just don't like it. It's, no, I don't like it. I don't like the thought of Clara being there when the first Doctor's escaping and or running off or whatever. No. I don't even. I, I to be honest, I'd quite forgotten about that until you just reminded me. Mm. Yeah, it, I remember when they put those clips together. Sort of, it's always nice to see old clips in Doctor Who. You yeah. know, like when they're being tortured and they have a flashback on the screen, and you get to see all the Doctors. It's all <laughs> very exciting. But, but no, I, I just. Yeah, yeah I'm with you I, on that I one. Mate. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it needed it. Yeah, right. Let's talk about Susan first. Susan. Carol Ann Ford. Mm. Saw her at the proms a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. She's cool. She looks she she's she's got very strong features, so she's good casting in terms of her look because she looks a little bit alien, and I mean that in the nicest way, <laughs> by the way. She's just got a you know, very strong features which make her stand out. So yes. when she's acting alien, especially in the pilot, she's more alien. If you know what I mean, when she's doing that weird drawing in that she, she's definitely got something about her, which makes her very mysterious and, and all that sort of thing. So in terms of that, she's good casting. She is a bit shrieky. I mean, when she's screaming in episode two, yeah, she's, she doesn't, she doesn't do scream acting particularly well. She's pretty young though. I think when she filmed this, wasn't she? So she's probably quite inexperienced as a, as an actor at that point, I would assume. Um, but I think she is good casting. I do like her as Susan. Yeah, she's great. I mean, she was very young. I mean, it's surprisingly, she'd already done sort of half a dozen TV shows before that. Really? Mm. All right. Okay. But she was very young. Yeah. And she's, mm. how old is she now? She must be in her seventies now, but she, yeah. um, yeah, she's very, very good casting and it's a real shame. And maybe it's not a shame, but it's a real shame that she wasn't included in the 50th I would have yeah. loved to have seen her in the yeah. 50th. Genuinely would have loved. I could have, you could get rid of all that Clara nonsense that you just mentioned and just put Susan in it and I would be absolutely made up. Yeah. And, and, um, Chesterton, William Russell, I, you know, they, they, to me, it needed something like that in the 50th. Um, yeah. but particularly Susan, yeah. she's an important character. Um, when you go back and there is clear, chemistry between her and William Hartnell yeah um I think their relationship I mean again this comes back to the brilliant adventure in in space and time you know he almost became like a father figure to her whether she wanted it or not he was quite protective of her in real life off screen wasn't he and you you get that feeling even from this first episode really that they they do work well together. So yeah, I, I like Susan. She is a bit shrieky, yeah, um, and she does go over the top. But she, I do think she suits the part. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. Mm. And I think I've been calling it an adventure in time and space. It's in space and time, isn't it? I could, I was, yeah, I can never remember which way around it yeah. is, but yeah, yeah. Um, and she she did come back though. The th- no, she did come back for an episode. She's well, she's in the five doctors. That's it. Yeah, she's in the five um, doctors. Yeah. And yeah. she's in a couple of the McGann Big Finish audios. And I'll tell you, they're great. Um, they're really worth listening to. It's, her and McGann are great together. Oh, cool. Um, I'm being careful what I said because they lead up to quite a shocking revelation. It's really good if you get a chance to listen to them. Um, one's called An, An Earthly Child, I think was a special okay. release they oh, did. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, really, really good. Um, 
So yeah, Carolyn Ford, good, good cast. Good casting. Yeah. Ian and Barbara. Really love Ian and Barbara myself. Fantastic casting. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's they've got that because of the time this was set. They have got that very uh, old school, Eng- uh, very British, very yeah. um, al- almost um, sort of British newscaster uh, kind of vibe. You know, that's how people spoke mm. uh, back then. So they're terribly British. You know, there's no escaping that. Mm. Um, whereas Susan, she doesn't seem to come across as much as that. Uh, but those two, they're very proper. You know, teachers, respected. Very proper, but uh, fantastic. They work really well together. They're great. And it wasn't until I rewatched a partner story that we did a few episodes ago that I realised just how well they are, which was the Romans. Yeah, yeah. That's a really good one to see um, those two sort of bounce off of each other and with the Doctor as well. Mm. Um, but straight off, you know, there's no warm-up with those two. Straight into it, they're great. Uh, I think yeah. because they're clearly got susan's best interest at heart you instantly know that they're quite warm they're quite good meaning characters i think so you instantly warm to them um they yeah they're both great in in the parts they play i think jacqueline hill um it's just i can't put my finger on it like you said they're from a different time they're like they just work so well together and like you said they're very well mannered Mm -hmm. um quite old school um but i I just love well i love william russell and jacqueline hill as as actors but i just love the characters of ian and barbara as well you always get the impression that there might be something going on there but it's never (laughs) spelled out on screen because they you know there's such great chemistry between this tardis team like like they said when they get going you know there's really good chemistry between these two and and the doctor and and susan the four of them are great together but but you always get this feeling that you know that they're looking out for each other and maybe there might be a little bit of you know by the end of it you'd like to think when they get dropped off and they're on that bus going back to wherever they're going back to (laughs) shortage probably you'd like to think you know surely they got together after all this but but we didn't need to see any of that and we never really do get that spelled out on screen mm. do we but they, they genuinely seem to look out for each other which i love yeah it's true there's definitely that there you, you mm. do kind of say are they aren't they will are they, they aren't they won't yeah they? <laughs> um, because they do work well together but i think mm. overall they just especially as they spend more time together uh traveling with the doctor they do definitely grow closer together mm. they're, they're well, like, you know their friendship whatever you want to call it is very it's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking back to saying, thinking about um, William Hartnell again, how his sort of off screen, I think he became very close to them as well. Didn't he? I seem to remember reading or hearing or something that when they decided to leave, he was furious. <laughs> he was like, what do you want to leave for? Cause he really had grown fond of them uh, mm-hmm. by then. And the same with Caroline Ford, I think when she decided to leave, he was just saying, well, what do, why do you want to go? Don't go. You know, so, so they really became a family. These, these four mm-hmm. guys, I think. And it totally shows on screen. Like, you, you know, you really feel the bonding as, as they go on all these adventures from here onwards, yep. you totally yep. get to see these four um, bonding as, as friends and, and, you know, and as actors. Yeah. Yeah. They're great together. And he's yeah. still, he's still, I mean, he's still going fair play. He's 92 now. Yeah, William Russell. Yeah, yeah, that's why I'd love to see him come back. I mean, yeah, but I would love to see Susan. I do think she should have been in the 50th. I really do. I think she's she was there at the beginning. Well, I think they both should have been in the 50th, actually. 
They were right there at the start. I think they should have been in it yes. to celebrate for it. But anyway, that's a whole other story. But yeah. 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 And uh, Hartnell. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, there's no other words, is there? There's just no, no other words. He's, he's fantastic. Um, I think because he'd been playing very similar roles for quite a long time in his career, very often the sergeant major, wasn't it? Yes. Um, he relishes in given, being given this part of something totally different. You can just tell that he's absolutely loving it. He's like, I, I, I can't imagine he did anything like this before. Certainly nothing that I know of. He no. was always the very, you know, Sergeant Major, stiff upper lip and all that sort of thing. Um, so he's playing this alien, cranky old time Lord rattling around in a time, you know, in a time <laughs> machine shaped like police box. He's just go, goes with it. it uh, and, um, I just love him as the doctor. The, just like you said at the start, more I watch him, the more I just think he's great. So underrated. He is. He's probably yeah. one of the most underrated doctors. He is. Of all. And it's a real shame because uh, I'm not saying that all of his stories for the first, what was he did, like four series, five series or something. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying that all of those were great because no, there are no. a few clangers like every doctor's run. But there is so much there to like. And pretty much, even if the stories weren't that great, his performance, he never, he never ever looks like he's just going through it for the sake mm. of it. He always looks like he's having either, well, whether he's playing grumpy or he's, he's having a particularly amusing episode like the Romans or whatever it is, he always looks like he's really enjoying himself. He's yeah, having the it- best time. Yeah, he does. He just looks, yeah, he's, he's totally puts himself in, in that role. You know, he doesn't feel like an actor playing it. He just feels like he's totally immersed himself as the doctor. Yeah. You know, um, I'll tell you uh, just very quickly, I must tell you, when I went to the Power of the Daleks um, screening of the BFI, Frank Skinner did a little talk at the start and they said to him, is Pat your favorite doctor? And he said, um, he said, I love Pat, but you know, I think William Hartnell might be my favourite. So he's just like we said, very underrated. And Frank said what he loves about watching Hartnell is that he it reminds him of like watching a waiter carrying a tray of drinks for a busy crowd. You're always <laughs> watching. You're always on the edge of your seat, just waiting to see if uh, you know if he gets his lines out or if, or if the waiter drops his drinks. He said, "I just love watching Hartnell because he's always on the edge." of the performance and you just never quite know what's going to happen next. He said, that's why I love Hartnell. Um, and that sums it up brilliantly for me. Uh, I think, yeah, that's what I love. I just watch him never know what he's going to do next. Never know if he's going to get the line right. Don't care if he does. I mean, we all stumble over lines when we watch a TV program (laughs) and they're word for word. Perfect. I think we forget that actually we're not like that in real life. We all stutter and don't get the right words out or can't think of the right word at the time. So it's actually much more natural. Um, And obviously, you know, I suppose given the chance they would have gone back and and re shot a lot of takes, but they didn't do that back in the day. So if they do get it wrong or whatever, they just go with it. Um, And I love that. I love that about Hartnell. He just doesn't stop. He's like, it's just a train that keeps on going. Yeah. Yeah. It's more natural. I mean, I can think of, um, three or four times where we've had a tweet or a, a Facebook message to say, um, why have you been saying this? It's this. And, and I, yeah, yeah. And you know, you can't get too hung up on it, but it's, it is more natural because like you say, we all say the wrong word 
I mean, listeners of our show will know that we do that all the time. Yeah. We, we know we're thinking about one doctor who might say another or an episode or a thing or whatever. Um, and what's quite cool is they never, ed- well, I say never, uh, they did leave in his fluff lines in a lot of episodes. Most of them, yeah. Yeah, and it's, uh, and that's not, be- maybe because they just didn't want to cut and do it again because it's just, like you say, it's natural. That's just you know, how we did it. They didn't have the time. Yeah. They used to switch the lights off, didn't they? 10 o'clock, whether that, you're yes. in the middle of a scene or not, yeah. the BBC, the lights are off. Yeah. Yeah. Which it just, yeah. And it makes it more fun because you, you are always on the edge, I think, just waiting for something to happen. Yeah. 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 And it's, um, it's sad that he didn't get to reprise his role fully in the three doctors because mm. I think he was quite ill. That was only a couple of years before he died. And I think he was quite ill at that point. So I remember they, he did film something, didn't he? It was like a yeah. a message for the other doctors that they saw That's on right. a screen, yeah. which he did uh, in a studio somewhere. But it's a shame because I think he had a much bigger part written for that so that him, Troughton and Pertwee would all be as a gang, you know, sorting it out. But, but yeah. do you know what I love about that is that he, he was like a, even right to the end was just, so keen to do it because he when they phoned him up he agreed to do it they're like hart was on board and they're like that's good and then his wife phoned didn't she about a week later and said i don't know he can't do it i don't know why he's agreed to it like he, he must be mad there's no way he can do it and he, but he still right to the end was like yes yeah i am yeah. the doctor of course i'm gonna do it you know and i love that about hartnell yeah, yeah. he's a, there right to the end yeah it's such a yeah it's it, I mean, we talk about people like David Tennant being great ambassadors for the show mm. and all the rest of it, but, you know, he was the first mm. to really... Well, of course, he was a first Doctor, but even when he stopped being a Doctor, you know, he, like you say, I think he loved doing that so much. You know, he just was just into everything. and Yeah, yeah. apparently, I mean, yeah, it's clear that he loved this role. Yeah. Um, you know, so, I, yeah, I can't say anything else, really. He's just, he's just brilliant. I, yeah. I know he's not everybody's favourite Doctor or whatever, but... I think sometimes you just need to go back and have a look at him and just think, yeah. actually, yeah, you know, it's this guy starred it all. Yeah. If you, yeah, if you're listening and you haven't seen much of Hartnell, we urge you to, if you know, just Google it, just put top 10 Hartnell episodes or get in contact with us. We'll throw you some suggestions. It is, there is so much great Doctor Who from mm. his era. It's, you're missing out on so much cool. Uh, Doctor Who. If you've not seen much of the Hartnell stuff, it's uh, he's he's brilliant. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. That's right. It. I think I think we've gushed <laughs> enough over um, uh, Hartnell and everything. So, unless you've got anything else to say, anything else to add, we're going to move on. No, not really. No, no. We said it all. So let's do, all. let's do scores. Okay. <laughs> think it's you to go first okay i i I found this difficult to score actually mainly because it to me it does almost feel like two different stories (laughs) so um because i think i would score episode one really really highly but then as much as i enjoyed episodes two to four Mm -hmm. they aren't as strong so common problem it's difficult so it's difficult um so i'm gonna go with a 7.5 as an overall score uh, um, but I think if I was scoring episode one on its own, I'd probably score it 
8.5 I'm quite it's really high in my you know I really like episode yeah. one yeah. but as an overall story yeah I'll go 7.5 okay so you and I are on the same page again not like we were last week no, no. With a big disparity. I'm also 7.5 for the right. for the four episodes. If I was just yeah. scoring the first one, that would be an 8.5 for me. Well, same. Yeah. 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 I mean, it'd probably be a 10 on enjoyment level. Oh, enjoyment. Yeah, absolutely. Episode will yeah. be a 10. But it, yeah, if you sort of take into account all the other stuff, like the technical stuff, yeah, I think it's 8.5. But yeah, so we're both on the same score this week. Yeah, we're back on it. Right, yeah. okay. Yeah. Right, what did our listeners think? Uh, over on Twitter, um, let's see. Patrick um, at uh, Still Troxis says, uh, well, this story, uh, what do I think of it? It's okay. Well, it is the first ever story now. Uh, overall, I do love it. 8.5. Okay, right. Yes. Um, Rick Moran says, ah, back where it all again, it all began. Big smiley face. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ken Major says, first episode in an incredible bit of television, not just who, can understand why they include the other three for the release. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we had um, one audio clip in this week. Uh, this was from Owen Daly. Hello, Gary and Adam. I hope you're both well and enjoying the show this week. So... An unearthly tr- child, the definitive article of a perfect introduction. It introduces the characters brilliantly, as we have the mystery of Susan and the Doctor and the relatability of Ian and Barbara, making a great dynamic and chemistry for the the, the original crew. There's a great untrusting relationships um, between them at once. The Doctor kidnaps them, which really added the suspense and believability to the situation. Seeing these people have just been whipped out of their own time, uh, put in a time machine and kidnapped and been sent back to the Stone Age, which was fantastic. Um, one thing I love, though, is the development we get to see um, throughout the story and the entire show of the Doctor warming to these people, becoming more human, I guess, and getting a much more loving relationship for his friends and family. Uh, as a viewer, I can imagine the intrigue that that was brought by it back in 1963, and I can only I can just imagine how magical it was first time round, sitting down and seeing this brand new hell-round effect for a title sequence, this state-of-the-art uh, TARDIS, well, probably wants to say the art, but... Still, it's just magical, fantastic, so so good. Um, some say that episode one is brilliant, but sadly the rest drag. But I beg to differ, as I think it's a great pure historical with the caveman being believable, and there's some not too shabby fight scenes near the end. Uh, lots of love for this, and I gotta say one last thing about the DVD, uh, the pilot on the DVD release, uh, because Jesus, with that pilot is awful. It's oh, it's brilliant and a great variation of the story. Definitely a seven out of ten. See you all next week. Thank you, Owen. Excellent. Cheers, Owen. Uh, over on Facebook, Kevin Mullins says, um, uh, perhaps the most important episode in the show's history uh, introduces us to the Doctor and the TARDIS. Think about that word. How many people can claim to have invented a word? We That's use TARDIS true. all the time now to describe something that is uh, deceptively large on the inside. Mm. Um, but before the 23rd November, it simply didn't exist. Uh, episode one scores uh, a billion out of ten. Mm-hmm. while episodes two to four are a six. Uh, love the clipped middle-class cavemen. <laughs> <laughs> I've never thought about that, actually. No. Uh, and Kevin also put some... He's really good at um, Doctor Who artwork. He put another piece on there. Thank you, Kevin. Great oh, stuff. I saw it. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah. Uh, Charlie Turner uh, gives the episode... Um, uh, it gives it a positive, positive review. It's good. I can see why most people call it repetitive, but to me, it's not a bad thing if it's done right. Uh, I would normally have more to say about this since it's the first episode ever, but I can't think of what else to say. Uh, one thing I will, though, it really ha- it's really hard to pick a rating for it. Um, if my knowledge of, is correct, 
um, I give an 8.5 for its mostly good storytelling. Uh, would have been more if less on the repetitive side of things. Uh, see you guys next week. Excellent. Cheers. Thank you, Charlie. Jay it Sweeney. It's hard to write. Yeah. It is, yeah. Um, where to start? I can say that episode one is a unique piece of Doctor Who history. Uh, starts off brilliantly with Susan, seems like an ordinary teenager. Ian and Barbara have concerns uh, about her high intelligence uh, over other students. Decides to follow her, which leads to the junkyard uh, with the introduction of the TARDIS, so on and so on. Uh, William is such a perfect choice for the role. Uh, he has grandfather type, even though uh, he does grouchy, but he does have this warmth and kind side to his personality. Uh, Ian, Barbara, Susan are very good companions. Uh, huge thank you to Sydney Newman and Verity Lambert uh, for bringing this show to life, even uh, with the amount of hard work they had to put in and deal with at the BBC. Um, uh, thankfully, Verity chose to ignore them all and had high faith in the show uh, to continue on, for which uh, she proved them all right. Uh, a great episode. Uh, I consider liking the first one more. The other three were a mixed bag. 7.5. Yeah, fair play. Joseph Howarth. Fire, fire. You make fire, fire. <laughs> Simon got fire. Uh, they ought to summarise the story. I will say it does a very good job setting up the main cast and what the show is about, seeing as it's the very first Doctor Who in general uh, as a very strong first part. Ian and Barbara are very likeable. But the problem I have with this is the Doctor's very rude and violent. Uh, the story kind of slows down when we get to the caveman, it becomes too laboured and boring and everyone just talks about fire for the next three parts. <laughs> um, it was probably better as a story when it first came out. Uh, it was a new show at the time, but I don't think it's as good as it is nowadays. Uh, it's not terrible, not boring. Uh, six out of ten. Yeah, fair play. Sammy Satine. Ian and Barbara have suspicions about their student Susan, which leads them into a junkyard where they stumble across the TARDIS for the first time. This is also their first encounter with the Doctor, and they have their very first adventure in time travel, going back to caveman times. Uh, it's an interesting start uh, that would, of course, last 53 years and counting. I find it interesting that the Doctor isn't interested in taking charge, though. Ian tells the caveman he is the leader. Uh, mm. I find Susan and Barbara a bit whiny, even if Susan is the only one uh, who has worked out a way back to the TARDIS. Uh, I do like how the Doctor wants to check the radiation settings before leaving the TARDIS, something his modern counterparts forget. Yeah, that's uh, true. It's nice how the last part of the last episode leads into the next adventure, and they give you the little bit as well. Better than any next time trailer in some ways. Uh, yeah. Overall, begins strong, but ends up a little bit average. Six out of ten. Very good point about that, actually. That is, it is more fun, isn't it? If we just get led into the next one but don't have a next time trailer oh yeah 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 quite like that yeah mm. by doing the next time trailer a lot of fans decide that they don't well, like it, it. <laughs> yeah <laughs> before true, it's yeah. even seen it so yeah i agree uh matthew webb says the first part is an iconic piece of television i could rewatch endlessly uh, having the following three episodes aren't too much to rave about i love the characterizations of the tardis team but i feel the villain of the story is a bit naff so six out of ten uh, Lewis Palmer uh, good start to the show the first episode is one of the best episodes in Who history although it's a bit weird that two teachers decide to follow a teenager home mm -hmm. uh, other than that it's an exceptional bit of 60s TV and I love it the other three episodes are very mixed there's a, a bit of quality shift between the first and the other three overall it's a good way to start off the show 6 out of 10 cheers Lewis Charlie Turner oh sorry this is, he adds on from his previous review I completed my entire Doctor Who DVD collection Really? All oh, the ones well, that have no. been released anyway. Sorry to mention that, but well done, Charlie. Well done. That's good. Yeah. Uh, George Coppen. It all started out as a mild curiosity in a junkyard. Uh, where's, where do I start? It was just brilliant. Cast and characters that started it all off, seven out of ten. 
Mm -hmm. uh, Ollie Tanner. Welcome, Ollie. Uh, having not watched much classic Who, this story made me want to see it more than I have. At the beginning of it all, it's easy to see why the show was so successful. Wasn't exactly thrilling, but still interesting with good acting on the whole. I enjoyed Hartnell as the Doctor. A bit grumpy, though, as the story went on. Uh, certainly an interesting start, but it got a bit boring towards the end. But I liked how they tried to trick the tribe with the skulls. Uh, a good introduction to the characters. 7.5. Yeah, that's good, isn't it? The bit with the skulls. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Very simple idea. Yeah. Uh, very simply, Brian Dobson says, love it. Oh, eight okay. out of ten. Uh, and lastly, uh, Miles McKenzie says, uh, uh, "I, I've, it was so desperate to watch this when I was younger, and I finally got to watch it a few years ago. Uh, it's probably one of the most enjoyable watches of Doctor Who for me. Uh, William Hartnell perfected the Doctor, and his granddaughter Susan and the teachers from school are amazing. Uh, at the time, uh, the way they made the story was a very good attempt at recreating the Stone Age." The story itself uh, does feel a little slow in some places, but overall a very strong script for the start of Doctor Who, 9 out of 10. Yeah, good stuff. Great stuff. Did you have anything on the Geek's Handbag? Yeah, yeah, I had Facebook a couple. Um, so um, Elliot Beasley um, sent me a, a tweet here. He says, The very first serial of Doctor Who can be split into two clear parts. There's the first episode, An Earthly Child, where two teachers follow a teenager home to a junkyard. Then there's the remaining three episodes, which centre around the group of time travellers trying to escape from prehistoric cavemen to the TARDIS. The first episode is truly an iconic piece of television, right from the theme music at the start to the great cliffhanger at the end. I really love the sense of awe and mystery in this episode, something that many people would say has been lost the longer the show has gone on. This man isn't a Time Lord of two hearts from the planet Gallifrey in the constellation of Casturbarus, but just an exile wanderer in the fourth dimension. Yes, there is a decrease in quality in the next three episodes, but I think the story still holds up. The landscape set is convincing, and the simple plot is a good way to introduce the new characters. Overall, the story deserves a solid 8.10. Yeah, some very good points there. Mm -hmm. um, right, so moving over to Geek Sandbook Facebook, we got a couple on here. So Matt Whelan says, it's a great introduction to the character of the Doctor, or, ha or as he was credited then, Doctor Who, something Peter Capaldi likes, isn't it? And I enjoyed how the Doctor didn't have any time at all for Ian's remarks and just a uh, bit back with sarcasm. Definitely made even better by seeing it semi-reconstructed with an adventure in space and time. Worth checking out the uned pilot that's on there as well. The doors kept the set. <laughs> Sorry, the doors on the set kept flying open as you could see the cameraman several times. Yeah, I know. It is <laughs> worth having a look at that. Uh, Patrick Sherwood says, I really like the story. It's an okay, it's not one of the best stories in the world, but because it is the first ever, um, I appreciate it for that. Um, I really like. Uh, sorry, and I really think that when you watch this, you should also watch Adventure in Space and Time because that is also something that I think really works when watching the story. Um, overall, he says he's going to give it 8.5 out of 10. So, yeah, agree with him about Adventure in Space and Time. It yep. does work nicely together mm -hmm. with this one. Jason Howells, Episode 1, An Earthly Child, is the most intense episode of Doctor Who ever. We see the Doctor and Susan from outsider's viewpoint. We see them in their brilliance and their faults as well. The Doctor is basically the villain in it. We don't know who he is or his agenda. So Jace likes this one. Uh, Paul Skevington. Uh, just think, if the Doctor had smashed that caveman's head in with the rock, we'd have... <laughs> that's the bit I was on about earlier. Um, we'd have never had a pacifist Doctor. Instead, we would have 
ended up with a violent monster who went round crippling people using some sort of fictional material art with a silly name. Hang on. What's he referring to? <laughs> um, yeah. I think, yeah, that is the bit I thought about there. Mm. Quite shocking. I think they toned that down as yes. they did the pipe smoking. Yeah. Um, and finally, Aaron Ball says, a fantastic underrated serial. People say the other three episodes are bad, but I think the way the caveman were betrayed was great. The story is still there as well as the first Doctor being fantastic. Aaron gives it eight out of ten. So, yeah, Very I, cool. a lot of positive stuff. I, nothing negative, actually, was there? Not really. Particularly. It, I think it's yeah. more about the slowdown in pace for the yeah. remaining three stories and so on. It's a definite gear change. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, sorry, you had one more review in. This was from uh, uh, Adam Pink, who sent in a, a message. And I keep calling him Danny Pink, so apologies for that. <laughs> uh, he says, um, it's got to be... Uh, an, earthly, an unearthly child has got to be greatly respected as the adventure that started it all. The first two parts are excellent, the first especially being a staple of British television. It's after the Cave of Skulls that I feel it becomes a slight drag in some places. One moment I really like is when the Doctor picks up a rock to cave someone's head in. Uh, it shows now with hindsight that this is the doctor before he is the doctor, quote-unquote, so mm. to speak. Uh, isn't it until the events um, of the Daleks and travelling with these two humans, he really grows into his character. Uh, great story, some lovely moments of history. Eight out of ten. Yeah, okay, yeah, so, some good points there. Uh, I nearly called him Danny. Adam. Yes. Adam Pink. I think I've called him Danny Pink, like, <laughs> almost every time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so thank you very much, guys, for your uh, reviews and thoughts on An Unearthly Child. We love it. Um, it's clear you guys love it. It's just the mm. the other few episodes... Um, yeah, you sort of have to be in the mood to yeah, continue yeah. watching those ones. But uh, mm. I've found a new level of appreciation for those anyway. I definitely have, yeah. yeah. Next week, it's uh, Modern Doctor Who. Mm. So, dude, what are we going to do next Friday? Next week, yeah, yeah. Tenth Doctor Story, we'll be reviewing The Girl in the Fireplace. David Tennant. Back to David Old Tennant. Yeah. Ah, yes. Uh, the Girl nice. in the Fireplace. Yeah. So we look forward to your views and thoughts on that one. Just uh, uh, like I said last week or the week before, can't remember, never can remember, we record on a Wednesday now. So look out for the Facebook and Twitter stuff that goes out on a Monday lunchtime-ish. Um, and then, yeah, just get uh, your thoughts and reviews uh, in. And we will read them out or try and read most of them out. That's it. Put so our teeth in. A few fumbled lines, <laughs> a few boom mics issues, but yeah, we'll get them read. Of course. And I think we're going to do there for 124. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for sticking with us and listening through as we've complimented and got teary-eyed and gushed and all that stuff over Hartnell's first outing. I'm glad we got so many positive comments, you know. Yeah, I think deservedly so for, for Hartnell. I thought person. it was going to be more mixed. Yeah, I thought, yeah, but lots of positivity, which is great. Yeah. No, it is great. And uh, just to reiterate what I said as well, if you haven't seen much of the Hartnell era, uh, it's absolutely worth checking out some some of his stories. Um, if you're unsure on which ones to get stuck into, 
just uh, fire us a tweet or hit us up on Facebook, whatever, and we'll send over some cool recommendations uh, to watch some of his cool stuff. Because he's a fantastic doctor. He is. Very much so. Head over to our website, www.bigblueboxpodcast.com. From there, you can listen to all of our previous episodes. Plus, you can link off to all the social stuff. So give us a like and a follow on the old uh, the old Twitter and Facebook and Instagram <laughs> and all that jazz. And you can also link off to iTunes. And if you are an iTunes listener and you can spare a minute to give us a review and a rating on there, that would be amazing because mm. that really helps us out loads in the old iTunes stuff. It does. Bumps us up, doesn't it? Indeed. Yeah. Mm. Check out Adam's channel. Yeah. Don't you know? He runs his own thing <laughs> over on YouTube yeah. and Facebook called The Geek's Handbag. You just need to yeah. search for that in YouTube and Facebook and check out all of his cool videos. That's it. You could spend a good few hours going through all of his... He's, there's so many. There's uh, hours of content. Loads, yeah. So if you're into like uh, product unboxings, reviews, conventions, stuff, blogs, it's all there. Yeah. All there for uh, the modern geek to absorb <laughs> like a sponge <laughs> I like that I might use that <laughs> uh, yeah coming at you from a sponge in the middle of nowhere <laughs> anyways we look forward to listening to you tell us your thoughts on the girl in the fireplace yeah. and until next week my name's Gary my name's Adam and remember uh, uh, Lottie. Lottie.